There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? This is episode 7. If superheroes had nail writers, it's the three mentalists walked into a podcast. Well, 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 that was a bit he mystical. Just did a yeah. yeah, but you didn't do it. No, that's important. Let's not no. go there again. It's episode seven. Yeah, no, no. it's no. twenty-six, seven, twenty years. Let's, let's not go there again. You're like, let's just forget my past. Yeah, <laughs> it's a new year. I'm a new me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can test your manliness. How are we going to do that? Okay, Atlas. How many times have you seen Star Wars this month? Uh, two. I've seen it twice. Ken, how many times have you seen it? I've, any stories film actually I've, no mm-hmm. no I've seen the what's it called the, the rude awakening or something I was like what <laughs> the rude, the rude awakening. awakening that was the <laughs> intro the one with the real hypno theme <laughs> what's that what it's called no. the, the, what? It's the force like, awakening that's, that's it you saw that one no no, no. So I've you, heard of it though <laughs> well congratulations Ken yeah! you're really tuned in with showbiz aren't you mm. yeah so you've been away Mm. Where have you been? Uh, He's Singa- always away. Singapore, Thailand, and uh, somewhere else. Where else? Uh, Myanmar. That was fun. Is that with you and your mum? Myanmar. Yeah. Myanmar. 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 Yes. So, did, you, did your mum f- a parrot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to actually make reference to that. We were talking about um, Ken's hair earlier and how dynamic and, and quite frankly scary it looks being all spiked up it's like a parakeet and uh, apparently a, a comedian a comedian I was sitting at the front of some you're an easy kid. target for <laughs> some comedian and this comedian somewhere. just looked at me and went did your mum f- a parrot <laughs> <laughs> and of course she did she did yes which is nice so a uh, busy month uh, did, when you went away mm. was this for business or yeah was was, I was working yeah? uh, only a little bit though but mainly spending time lying on the beach in Phuket which is amazing if you've not have, you, have either of you been to Thailand um, no um, honestly one of the most beautiful I think they used the beach in Phuket in that film The Beach oh well, so it's it's like, it sounds like an ideal like, place to use like that really place good, you know, they're not going to do it in a rainforest so I did that that was good but uh, yeah that's what I've been doing what have you guys been doing since last we met Look at Luch, not me. Luch, what oh. do you do? Um, I celebrated a Christian holiday called Christmas. Oh. And that was about it. I had a few presents. I bought some presents. I had a relaxing <laughs> time. And uh, in the build-up to Christmas, I did a hell of a lot of corporate gigs. Very nice. All at one Christmas, venue. Christmas Corporate parties. Christmas parties. And they are do like... you like them? No, I hate them. And I hate them I as well. Them. People are like, I want to do corporate. Because really, if you do real corporate the rest of the year round, Christmas parties are not like a real corporate gig at all. No, because people... They're just smashed the whole they're, time. They're there to get drunk. Yeah, and yeah. they're people who are not usually smart enough to have you in a conference. The giant drunken like, mistake fest. Yeah. There was except some for great I did one. They're all like that, except for I did one where there was a palpable feeling of doom. Like they, like it was almost like they had announced the company was going under and everyone lost their job. <laughs> and I, I went around the tables and everything. In fact, you know what? I went around the tables and um I have to say, Craig Felicetti's real die, um, it crapped out on me. Did it? What yeah. happened? Tell us it, more. I, I don't know what the issue is yet. I haven't sent it back to Craig, but mm. I talked to him straight like, away. Fire, like in the middle of a gig, just yeah, let yeah. you down. Yeah, in fact, I'll tell, I'll tell the story. Really stupid? No, no, it would have, yeah. had I not saved myself. But Your um, reputation could have been on the line. Yeah. Anyway, go, I'm, I'm looking forward I, to I seeing how Ken you got said, out of Did this? it make you look really stupid <laughs> and then laugh quietly to himself like, I didn't need help? Yeah. <laughs> that was the implication. I appreciate that, Ken. Yeah, yeah, No, it started giving me troubles, and I contacted Craig. 
And straight away, he sent me a new one. He was amazing. His customer service really yeah. is second to none. Okay. So I, I you know, but I appreciate it. But um, it'd be really good. If, it'd be even better if Craig would turn up to that gig afterwards and just go around to it and apologise to everybody who made who, who felt like it looked stupid. <laughs> no, no, I'm really, really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> That would be above and beyond customer service. <laughs> I'm going to go to every volunteer in the audience who felt like you couldn't read minds and apologise to them personally. No, I'll tell you what happened yeah. was... Um, <laughs> at, uh, so it, it cut out on me, um, and it was with a guy that I really needed to impress. He'd been pointed out as the guy to impress. Brilliant. So it was... No, it was it was a real challenge. Because um, I, I, I kept getting it wrong. I just... It, it wasn't... I think you said too much about how it yeah, works. Yeah, so. I just thought I'm going to edit that. So, anyway. <laughs> this is episode seven. <laughs> I'm going to play some happy music now. Dee, 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 no, no, guys, dee, come on. Dee, I really want to get through this without editing everything. <laughs> so, anyway, it, it cut out on me, and this guy I really needed to impress. And so, you know what I went to? The flipping coin spin. I said to the guy, I said, right, so I'm having a little bit of trouble reading your mind on the spot. Let's see what we can do with the future. Do me a favor. You got a coin? Brought it out, did the coin spin thing uh, in my in my little wallet. There, I had the prediction folded up, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And he looked at me, and and everyone around the table, like this was without fail the strongest thing I I yeah. did. Yeah. Um. And he looked at me. and says, "I'm not going to sleep now." <laughs> and totally resurrected that. There you go. So I it's was he in the fact a heroin addict? Is that what? why I wasn't going to sleep tonight? Is that, is that well, no, Atlas said that he had, he had to impress a guy. It was very important to impress a guy, and mm. they left him saying that he wasn't be able to sleep tonight. That's, that's nice. Hmm. Thanks. Thanks for that, Ken. You're like, so why couldn't he sleep? It wasn't the dazzling performance, clearly. <laughs> was it insomniac? Yeah. Or was it because he was thinking about how much, how much of his food you ate off his plate? Yeah. So it's this, is this going to be this kind of episode? Finish him! <laughs> so you went from... A piece of electronics into something just simple, like take out a coin, bang into it, on the fly. Do you feel, it's something we're going to talk about later on in the episode, that getting that thing wrong, do you feel like it strengthened your performance? Do you think the reason that he couldn't sleep because of this coin routine was because you screwed up the other routine completely? Not even slightly. No? No. Not, not even kind of. <laughs> Could you be a little I, more I concise and use less words? I could with mask open-ended question. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I don't feel like that at all. That wasn't a situation where being wrong strengthened any anything in the okay. performance. Okay. It was it was a recovery where I had to go to something really really good and really really effective, and I did. But um, no, it wasn't one of these intentional because the the point of an intentional miss. See, someone asked us a question about this, didn't yes. they? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're talking about nice this. Yeah. The, the point of the intentional miss, I feel, is to mislead the audience. Yeah. Not to demonstrate ineptitude. Right. So yeah. I, I, I feel like there's... I mean, that's why they call it the intentional miss. Yes. The unintentional miss, I think all you can do is keep cheerful and recover as best you can. Um, and the show goes on. But it's, it's the intentional, intentional miss, I feel, has merit sometimes. Unintentional miss... It just tests your metal and just you know yeah. makes you learn on the spot and, and yeah. think. And how we'll, am I we'll, get and we'll come to that in uh, a little bit later. We're going to talk um, in the performance craft section. We're going to talk about deliberate misses and and how that applies to the the band theory, as people keep referring to it for about, which I think is weird. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Great. So we're back and uh, let's get really let's really get into the meat of episode number seven. <laughs> 
All right. This is the first ever annual Three Mentalists Trivia Chew-Off. Wow, that is... Ken, stop making that face. He's, he's like just a chewing into a the... chewing parrot. No, he looked like a calf sucking at his... <laughs> bring Weiss it on, bring it on. Right, he so sucks a few A trivia chew-off. Basically, the way this works is... Uh, you ask someone a question. If they get it wrong, they put a piece of gum in their mouth. You can ask whoever you want any question that, that you want to, um, as long as it's mentalism related. Now, bottom line is, yeah. you can stay in the game as long as your answers are intelligible. But once you have enough gum in your mouth that your answer is deemed <laughs> unintelligible, that's you're it. Out. You're out. You're and that's the way the chew-off works. And this will probably take, take place... Uh, this is going to be a messy, messy thing here. I'm excited. Okay. We've got, we got tons of gum. Uh, who do we want to have go first? I've got lots of questions, so I can do the first question if you'd like, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to do uh, this one to Looch. Okay. Um, question number one from me is, which mentalist studied law and German at university? Devin Brown. Is the right answer. So what happens? Uh, he asks you, now he asks yeah, the question. It's my turn to ask you So I don't have to put any gum no, in. You cool, right, I'm on it. Gum free! Right. My first question is for Luch as well. Oh, thank you. I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> well, just, just so far. Um, Luch, name me three books from Max Maven's Lisp series. Um, Thavant. Oh, th- oh, Doth. And... Um, oh. Doch, the Vance, and there's one more. I do there's know it. There's got to be a time limit on this. How many are there in the series? Yeah, how many is there? I think there are five. There are five. So, so you, have, you have quite a bit of choice here. Um, the Vance, and it's the fate really one, it's one that I really know, and I can't. It's just gone from my head. I think that's a piece of bubblegum. Okay. What were they? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't have all five listed, but was I listed... The th- was Thequel one of so them? There's Thequel, Thavant, Thabatical, Doth, Thabatical. And, um, Thabatical. Ah. And then there's the one another one that I can't remember offhand. Okay. If our listeners, I'll tell you what, if you could tweet us the other one, that would be really good. So, so we know these ones. And if you don't know it, you have to put a piece of gum in your in mouth. In your mouth, right I've, now. I've got a gum in my mouth. It's strawberry. It's strawberry. Is it, is it, it right? It's actually quite right. Is it quite good? Right. I don't mind getting questions wrong. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Do I will, you will when you've got like 40 of those things <laughs> in your mouth. Okay. So my question is for Ken. Yeah. Ted Leslie's highly praised book, Paramiracles, yeah. contains his famous dissertation of the what? His famous dissertation? It's called Dissertation of the... In Ted Leslie's Paramiracles. Oh, is it... Is it the... Um, is, it the is it some kind of crimp? Is that your answer? I think it... Oh, yes. No, it was the dissertation of the centre tear. Balls... <laughs> and Ken's a chewing. Get some gum. Oh, this is nice. Mm, this is not nice. Guys, this is not. This is supposed to be a. It's a forfeit. Why are you? This is a good game. Forfeit? Carry on. Devon. 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 That was that sounds up. Um, Hugh. Atlas. Oh, is it Darren? <laughs> that was awesome. Which mentalist is an associate of the Inner Magic Circle and has won the Merlin and Nostradamus Awards for mentalism? Oh, mm-hmm. is it uh, Luca Volpe? It is! Ah, Luca Volpe! Look at you two chewing. Mm. It's a pescari. Sounds like Mario. Yeah. Right, here we go. Uh, let's see. I will go with um, Kennedy on this one. Yeah. Kennedy, Michael Weber has a great poker deal effect. What is it called? Poker deals are not mentalism. So that's, that's not a good question. 
You can't call my question no good. I'm sorry, mm. Michael Weber is a recognized mentalist, and with his presentation, you could potentially make it into a mentalism effect. Um, You're going to have to answer, Ken. Oh, f***. <laughs> is it called Chew Some Gum, Bitch? Nope, it's Ha No Jonah. Oh! Mm. Ken's, for the first time in his life, has just taken two in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't my, think that's the first time, and that's why I laugh so hard. That's true. My next question is to Atlas. Uh, the center tear is a fundamental technique in mentalism. Barry Richardson has his business card center tear in which theater of the mind book? Is it <gasps> one, two, or three? Oh, so I've got, a, I've got a 33% chance here. And I'm really, i got to say, I'm really enjoying that I have no gum in my mouth right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's two. It is number two. Oh, it's got it yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Who's next? Um, Atlas. You guys leave me alone. <laughs> Go for Luke. He's only got one piece in his mouth. You haven't got any. You can finish him. Um, You're literally scouring your questions uh, now for the real bastard of a question. I've got one for him. Max Maven's no, policy. No, 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 Mark's a good friend of mine, too. I should know this. I know. That's the one with the wallet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Dang it. What was the question? I've got no idea. Bang On by Mark Oberon is based on which effect by Alan Shaxon? I'm going to say the Shaxon flap. It's not. <laughs> I know it's not. It's just... invisible card in envelope. That's a horrible... All right. Open wide. Yeah, no, I'm taking no. my forfeit. Mm. Oh, no, I dropped... Ah, it's on a... <laughs> you oh, have to leave that one. I did not. <laughs> Okay, so my question to Ken. Max Maven's colour series was re-released in 2005 in a hardback collection known as... Prison. What? Prism. Oh, I thought you said prison. I oh, said yeah. literally. I thought you that's said That's exactly... I, I have that exact question. <laughs> okay, who's next? Uh, okay, uh, please. Wait, no, you guys skipped me. Oh, we skipped you. Sorry, go on, go on. Go on. You totally skipped me entirely. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. How many N's are in Theodore Anneman's name? In Theodore Anneman's name? Four. Correct. Mm. Yeah! Alright, that's me again. Um, Looch. Yep. How many physical playing cards are required to perform Kenton Nepper's original Colossal Killer? Ooh, good question. Um, I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> the original one. Mm-hmm. God. Is it 13? Thir- no, it's what? not 13. What was it? It's either 16 or 19, depending on if you use the aces out. Well, if you do it like I do it, I just use one card. Okay, so it's my turn. Mm-hmm. I've got 20. two in my mouth. 16 or 20. Two in your mouth, mm. baby. The bottom 16 or 20. of the Magic Cafe now says what? What? Joyfully mimicking what famous brand. Ken, this is for you. Oh, thanks. I know the answer to this. Is it, there's a thread for that. Mimicking the Apple brand. It just says, the bottom of the Magic Cafe now says what? Mimicking, or joyfully mimicking what famous brand? So do you want me to tell you the brand or what it actually says? I want both. It's a two-part question. That's nice for me. Um, I don't know. Now I'm going to chew. It says billions and billions and billions served joyfully mimicking McDonald's. Oh, really? It used to have a counter, and then I think they... Yeah, blew up the counter. Had enough of it. Mm-hmm. My turn? No. Who's going to it now? Yeah, yeah it's, so it's your turn. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, no, wait. 
Yeah. You went ahead of me, so it's Ken's turn. No. We corrected that already. Okay. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, um, this is for Atlas. Damn it, I said sorry, so yeah. you went to... <laughs> Blue is the colour of which cover in Banachek's PS series of books? <gasps> Ooh, so there's the red, white, and blue. I know red is three. I believe blue is two, and white is one. Wrong! <gasps> blue Am is right? one. Was one. Am I wrong? Yep. What? Open yeah. wide! Positive white was... Damn it. No, white was number two. Panacek owes me. Um, which mentalist has a son... This is for Luch. No, Atlas. Oh, come yeah. on. Yeah, I'm liking that. Which mentalist has a son called Warwick? Ooh, yeah, we know this. Warwick? Oh, yeah. The Phil Smith. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Because it reminds me of Ewok. Yeah, yeah. Ewok. Warwick Davis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's my turn. Mm-hmm. How many pieces of mouth do you got? Or pieces of gin? I have two in my mouth. I have no idea. Five. <laughs> Ken, like I'm, I'm dying in this chew up. <laughs> um, uh, see, I've got to find a good one for Luch here. Then I'm actually tempted to come and put more in my mouth. <laughs> Who created the branching anagram? Mm. Who created it? Ooh. Mm. Like who's the originator. Credited, of it? Yeah. Who is credited with the creation of the branching anagram? It's an absolute just. Batshit guess. Al Baker. Nope. Stanley Collins. Okay. Mm. There's three. Two. A question from Luch. Um, which was the first release in Max Maven's color series? That's for Ken. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. All this dead air is really good, Ken. I'm going to go with green. It was blue. Oh, was second How much do you have in your mouth now, buddy? That's more gum than that. Mm. Right, so. Um, this is a revenge shot for Luch. Luch, which of these mm-hmm. is not a title of a published effect by Max Maven? Okay. Chaos. Fuel. The psychic bartender. Discretion. I think it's either fuel or discretion. I want to go with fuel. Friend. It's the right answer. It's yeah, I get it. Well done, Luge. Is it my go? No, it's my turn. Okay. It's a simple circle, remember? Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling to concentrate with all this gum. This one's for Luge. What mentalism creator specifically mentions in his book that he is good friends with Maurice Fogel? Um... Which just say the question again for me. Which mentalism creator specifically mentions in his book that he was good friends with Maurice Fogel? Um, Corinda. Nope, Richard Mark. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. I would have said the same. Well, yeah. Um, okay, Margo. Yeah. Um, Atlas. <laughs> I hate these revenge things. I should just leave you both alone. Revenge! Which Luke Jamey book contains an introduction by author? Claiming to have written it whilst on a flight from Las Vegas to L.A. Ooh. By the author claiming to have written it. Want a flight. Yep. Which Lou Jamey book contains an introduction by the author claiming to have written it whilst on a flight from L.V. I know which one it's got that black cover and it revisits touching on Hoy and I'm trying to remember its name. And unfortunately, all I see in my mind is Nick's Four by Paul Brook. Really? <laughs> all you, all you should see in your mind is another piece of gum. <laughs> no, no, I, give me a second, I can get this. This is the one that has the number in it, in its title. Oh, 
This is all. I'm, I'm going to have to eat one because I mm-hmm. can't remember. Open wide and come inside. <laughs> what, what it was it? 3510. See, I knew, oh, yeah. I knew it. It was that stupid number. Um, might not. That's difficult now. Um, Good. <laughs> Atlas, what is the name of Darren Brown's new production company? Oh, he's chowing down. <laughs> he just. <laughs> Also face down. <laughs> it's called Vaudeville Productions. I've never even heard okay. of that. My go? No, nope, oh, this one is for okay. Kennedy. Mm. Okay. There's a revenge one. Mm. Revenge? What reputable mentalist once ran out of his house in his underpants to save the life of a baby duck? Amazing. That's just something I would do with that. A baby duck. Also known as a duckling. Hmm. Um, was it by a check? It was Luge. <laughs> really? You said reputable. Finish him. <laughs> oh dear. Right. So, to how many of you got in your mouth? Mate. Okay, this is to you then. Which of Jack Kent Tiller's series of books dealt primarily with predictions? I'll accept two answers here. Which of Jack Kent Tiller's series of books dealt primarily with predictions? It's too obvious killing me. Mm. Um, Sextet. It was Quintet, number five. Unfortunate. Get it in your mouth. It really hurts. Mm, yeah, it does oh, usually. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> Found it. <laughs> well, that's gonna get caught. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Right, so it's getting straight. Fight your corner. And now we are on to episode seven's um, fight your corner segment. <laughs> That was quite, actually that was the most manliest thing you've ever done in all seven episodes of the podcast, or his life. Yeah, oh, I mean, he's just going to instantly follows it up with yeah, yeah. <laughs> hello. I know. So, anyways, fight your corner. Um, at, um, yeah, Atlas Ken. You like the way you say Atlas and then look at me and Ken. Yes. It's like I'm doing the whole touching on anything. Atlas. <laughs> and I've just secretly touched you both. Yeah. In an, in I feel sorry for Hoy. I feel like he's been touched so much that, that he should like, Not report touch him, him again. <laughs> <laughs> Too much touching. <laughs> Too much touching on Hoy. I'm just going to leave that in. <laughs> Social services are going to. Go, you need to stop touching poor Hoy. He's, he's complaining now. At the beginning with it was impressive, but now it's frustrating. Anyway, I feel like I'm a winner. You're Probably definitely not a winner. I'm going to be a winner on this one. Okay. I don't think I've you will. Cracking <coughs> product. Why? What have you brought in? I've brought this. What? Oh, uh, it's a little pillbox. I know what that I is. I know all the listeners right now are like, "There's a noise. <laughs> this has got to be a trick." <laughs> this is uh, Steve, Steve Cartel. <laughs> what is this one? Incubus. Incubus. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it this, looks like something this else. This is the sound of Lincoln's best boon. What Ooh. I like about this is it's got it's a little pillbox, and when you slide it out in your pocket, you slide the lid off. It means you can straight away put your thumb onto the boon. Yep. If I'd set it up, I hadn't set it up, but there we are. Mm-hmm. There we are. And then there I just, lies the first problem. Yep. No, that <laughs> already, <laughs> already using that <laughs> operator error appears to be frequent. <laughs> That's just my line. And then I can put it on. 
use that boon. And what's really nice about this <coughs> is um, when you make contact with the surface you're going to write on, yeah. if you lean your, your thumb, which I'm using it on, uh, mm -hmm. back over, you can actually move pretty freely around the surface yeah, before see that. leaning forward and actually making contact and, and doing the writing. Yep. And then, to dispose of it, how's, this how's is still in your pocket. How's the cleanliness of your writing with it? Hmm? How's the cleanliness of your Can writing I see with an it? example? It's not, it's not bad. I'm not much of a... I don't do a lot of nail writing. But I got this because there's a routine I'm working on which uses a lot of nail writing. But mm -hmm. A little bit of nail writing. Um, I don't have anything to try it with. Oh, that's convenient, isn't it, Ken? Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's already why don't marks you, against you. No, why don't you yeah. use your MacBook screen to Yeah, okay, on. so... Da -da 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 -da, 27. That's pretty good. If you were dyslexic. Actually, that's probably some of the best nail writing I've seen. I mean, not nail writing, but secret writing. Outside of us, of what yeah, we do. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, it's no, pretty your, good. your handwriting was very, very clean. And let's, let's be clear, too. I did you used a number. receipt. Yeah, I used a receipt. So it's a very flimsy very piece of paper. Flimsy, and he still came up with a very, very nice impression. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, very nice you know, Difficult. Yeah, you've over-egged the pudding now. now oh, yeah, I know. You should not have fallen <laughs> up with that. Do you that know 34 looks like three-star. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's at the bottom of the receipt. I would never put it there. But, yeah, so in, in the perfect... I mean, I was right down the middle there, and that looks pretty good. And, and I went for a 27. I did a European 7 with the line in the middle. I didn't really go for an easy number. Uh, it's pretty easy to use. I've only used it a couple of times just in rehearsal, and I'm really happy with it. What I like most about it is the ease of access and then the ease of just getting rid of it in my pocket like this. Mm -hmm. It's just super easy. Acquisition in the ditch is very, very good. I very will good. say, uh, to, for the fight your corner bit, Yeah. Um, good clean writing until you showed us again, which made me have my doubts. But again, it could be operator error, which it seems like... Um, you do a lot. No, there's, there's a, <laughs> Finish him! There's a, there's a clicking noise when you open it, which I don't like. Um, it would be something that you definitely have to use for stage as opposed to close-up. I know, you can have it in your pocket. No one's going to hear that in your pocket. No, you, I don't think they will. Not, they might not hear it in your pocket, but what I was going to say is the reason you'd have to do it for stage is because on your thumb it was massive and noticeable. And right. it seems to me hugely bulky. Um, so that that's the, one, uh, that's the one big drawback. The other thing I have a question about is... Um, Re, uh, refills. Hmm. I, I've never even thought about it. So let's, let's have a look at it. Let's have a little peek. See, I know, I know what you're going to say because I've, I've got one of these and I've seen is it. Is it quite difficult to refill? Mm, well, it's, I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's what not the it's easiest. Impossible? Well, do I need to take you, the I mean, You've out. got your refills yep. right there. Yeah, it's it a private refill. What? Two well, other refills. Just, to, just, to, just to, in case anyone doesn't have one of these, you can get these direct from Lincoln, and he's a really nice guy, and he's very, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a lovely yes. guy. One of the things I really like about this, which I was totally unaware of until I got this, was that the actual uh, the boon itself has is magnetic. Yes, it's it's magnetic on the bottom uh, inside of it, and then there's a magnet inside the box, which means it's really good at keeping itself in the right-ish orientation in the box for you to load it. So yeah. it doesn't really go up. It never goes upside down. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it is really good for uh, getting on and off in the box. So that's really good. But refilling-wise, I don't know how good that's going to be. It looks like it could be challenging, but that's just because I'm not really clever. How long have you used um, this? This, I've, I've only used it in rehearsal, and I've probably done it... I've probably done four rehearsals on its feet with the routine that I'm doing. What was the previous boon or writer that you used? You, I was you, using... I was using... Um, I, I was using the Kuntz... Um, Thumb tip writer. Yeah. Then I couldn't get those anymore, so I started using the Vernet one, which I really didn't like as much because it was, I don't know, it was clunky. The the the, the actual, I found that that writer, the, the lead was just like in the wrong place. Mm. I found it like it was halfway down my thumb rather than really where I wanted to write with it. Whereas what I do like about the boot, this Lincoln's best boot, I feel like the lead's in the correct place. Yeah. 
Um, so it's the, it's the best one I've seen, and I've never used a boon before, so I'm really quite liking that. I love this tilting action where you can really move around a surface. Now, I did try another writer called the Epic Writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen this? Yes, this yes. is the one with the ink. Uh, no, not necessarily. No, well, the one I've got certainly isn't with ink. Um, it's, Isn't uh, it? Wasn't this released through um, well, Magic World? Ma- Magic World, yeah. Well, mine's mine's not. Uh, you can get maybe you can get an ink version as well. But what's interesting about that is it doesn't actually adhere to your thumb at all. That one, that one's just about pushing it around a surface and mm. rocking backwards and forwards. Um, so both both were checking out. But what I like about and the reason I wanted to bring this up and fight your corner is I think there's been some really clever thinking with Lincoln's best boon, not just to do with the shape which is very good, by the way. The shape, in terms of it being on your thumb, is fantastic. It's like a teardrop sort of shape, mm. I think, and that, which is really nice. Um, the rocking backward and forward motion, that you know, the design of that has been really well thought out and tested, I'm sure, to hell. And then, and then the position of the lead itself is great. Not only that, the ingenuity of the packaging, the little pillbox with the magnet in, make it magnetic, lots of small makes, makes details. Makes position very, very Lots nice. of very small details, which I think are really, So how much is I agree, but... I don't know how much it is, actually. The flip side of this is, one of the things that your nail rider needs to be, or any type of rider needs to be, is invisible. This is not invisible, and there's a massive... I don't Does know if you've noticed it. Does it need to be invisible? It. I'm not sure I subscribe to that. There's, there's a I'm massive a shadow piece. that goes all the way around this thing, um, and if he'd, if he'd taken the edges and serrated them like um, like a gecko's tail, mm. uh, you can you can eliminate a lot of that shadow. See, for me, anytime I'm using a nail writer, I mean, because you could say that a thumb tip's huge or whatever. I know they're invisible too. I, I don't... I'm a Sam DeLaw guy. Honestly, uh, well, I'm, see, I can't get along mm-hmm. with those yet, but and, I've, and I do. And I did just try those actually before I got a hold of this little bad boy. But my thing with anything I'm going to do nail, nail writing is I'm always my thumb is always hiding behind the thing anyway. Mm-hmm. They of never course. actually see my thumb, so the fact that it's kind of big doesn't bother me because they're not going to be looking at my thumb. No, and, and I know it drops down, and, and as your hand drops, it's, yeah. it's invisible. Absolutely. Uh, so I understand all of that. However, I do think that that you can't ignore that as an issue. Um, I think it's like saying, oh, but there's a thread in that. Yeah, but they can't see the thread because of the lighting conditions. I think. Uh, well, well done at finding your corner. We'll, we'll see where it comes up at the end. Okay. It, it, is, it is nice. I mean, if I was going to use a boon, I, I'm... That would be the one. Yeah, I, I do yeah. like how... I, I like what you're saying as far as all the things that people don't think of when they're thinking really of boon has, design. Yeah. He has thought of the, yeah. from the acquisition to the ditch. It's yeah. nice and clean and simple. And I like um, the fact that most of my boons in the past, whenever I've done like boon or my nail rider stuff with um, with the thumb tip, is I just take that thing by flicking it off in my pocket, which means it gets damaged and dirty very very quickly. This has an in action storage Lint device case preventer. Yeah, no, absolutely. But not only is this little pillbox case for storing it between gigs and putting it in your like your gig case, but you have it in your pocket while you're doing the gig. So it's not like you take, you know, with a normal... So one. it's, yeah, it's, it, I, I can see what you're saying where, you know, if, if something doesn't go right, mm-hmm. you can say, oh, right, I've written a prediction, um, yeah. bang, and, you, and, you've, and you got, go you've got outs built into you what you're doing. You can open the case with one hand. I really it. do think that my biggest concern is the, is the, the reloading okay. of, mm-hmm. the, uh, of the... Uh, of the lead itself. Of the lead, because okay. looking at it, it's not mechanical pencil lead, it's quite yeah. a bit thicker, and I'm not sure... Where you'd obtain it, or, or how you'd obtain it, but yeah. that's but something there are some that you could. Sp- some some spares are supplied, and I'm sure I can contact him. So I, that's what I'm. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. I can't really. I don't. I don't want to slag it off no, no, because of I, I've, I own one of these, but I've I've got probably a collection of maybe about. 
let's say half a dozen different types of writers like yeah. this mm-hmm. uh, and I, the only thing I can say is that of, of all the years I've had these writers in my drawer I always tend to go for a different writer mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's just me making that choice on what's a personal preference yeah, what's what your personal going. preference um, it's the you know the Banachek band writer oh really yeah, see I, I, I tried one of those and I just wasn't a fan of that do only, for, only your, for stand up do you stand-up. make them yourself out of uh, guitar picks uh, well I bought one from him it cost a fortune to get over to the UK yeah uh, with the shipping the and that shipping um, and I've used that one since because I can just replace it with China, Black China Marker which okay. matches my Sharpie uh, when I'm okay. on stage um, if I was to use a lead writer I've made my own lead writer with a thumb tip uh, I spoke about that in um, the poverty spec writer yeah the poverty spec writer I mm-hmm. wrote about it in, in several different publications now um, but it's you know it's for what it is it's an all round complete package but it's just not my preference <laughs> I, I, I think I think you're touching on the nub of the way that we win this uh, in uh, in Fight Your Corner is it's such a personal choice that someone's recommendation they can talk about it they can love it but it can just not work for you hmm. uh, and so it, I think it's hard to broadly recommend something like this you might say it's worth checking out and seeing yes. what you think about I, but I think if, but, you, if you take um, the point on its such own merits it, does, it, it doesn't itself have many flaws it's just in terms no. of personal yeah, it does presence. what it's advertised to do absolutely I think in terms of the boon range yeah. it's up there with the best Yeah. so that's what I've got I've got Lincoln's best boon let's see if it was a car it would be a, like a premium brand I, I, would, um, I would say boom. so. Yeah, yeah one, sure. of the, one of the better brand, ones. Cleo. Um, <laughs> you, you are not good, not a good person. Okay, what pile of crap have you brought for us this time? Oh, I haven't brought a pile of crap. I've brought Lawrence Hukwe's pin, which to my mind is the best, most straightforward chair test that doesn't require chairs, packed okay. flat, very nice, uh-huh. um, that you can get. The mixing procedure is completely fair and okay. free, very straightforward. And yet, it provides um, a, rev- a reveal on two levels that is compelling and impressive. So you, you have people open their envelopes, they reveal that their names were predicted, as well as the number order, um, and then you can, uh, the, the prediction of the number is very, very nice. Um, the way I like it best is where the, uh, you throw a paper ball out into the audience to choose people, mm-hmm. um, and when they come back up, the paper ball is brought with them, everything's done, Paper ball is opened, and, and you, you don't see it coming. Uh, and so on, on two levels, there's a very, very nice reveal for the audience. So when a paper ball is opened, um, the number or pin is predicted on the, on the paper it's ball. It's like a four-digit pin. Number. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's so many chair tests have so many phases. Yeah. And they're so, I honestly think, you know how you were talking about seven keys to ball paint? Hmm. You hate it. I think I hate chair tests the most. But any, you like of pin. Any mentally. Yeah, but I love pin because yeah. it's very straightforward. It's very clean. Um, <coughs> and you've got, you've got two, st- two phases of reveal, which is very nice, which goes back to Bairn theory, as we were talking about Yeah, and, and I think one of the things I talked about in Bairn with the chair test that I put in there is that most chair tests have a lot of process at the beginning, loads of process before any revelations happen. And it sounds like a revelation happens quite early on in this routine. It's, it's a very... It's, it's honestly the, the chair test Luch would have come up with because it is a simple and direct chair test uh-huh, uh-huh. where everything feels so free. And, and there are lots of chair tests, don't get me wrong, that are simple and direct, mm-hmm. but it feels like there are more um, constrictions put on What would you say you. are the negatives with PIN? I honestly can't think of one, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that for Fight Your Corner or any of the fluff. I mean, chair tests for some people are inherently boring, so that could be perhaps one thing. Like some people just don't find that they feel But I, I don't feel that you can attach that label to PIN, because I've, I've performed it quite a few times now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the first time I did it, 
I was amazed at the reaction I got. That's great. That's great. Have you played with um, RC Wins chair test? No, it's derivative of Gary Kurtz. It's the Gary Kurtz yeah. one, basically. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know how it's done, and I haven't purchased it, so I've never performed it. Um, but I've seen it. I know how it's done. I think it's a very nice chair test, but it is, it is, uh, to so my mind, prefer pin? I prefer pin okay. over the two, just because it's such a clean, straightforward, and the method method is invisible, uh-huh. and that's what I really like. There's nothing where you could fall back on. They, they, they choose their envelopes. They can look at them and see that they're not marked. Yeah. They are freely handed down the row. Uh-huh. You write their names on each envelope as you introduce yourself to them. Uh-huh. Write their names on each envelope. And uh, the way that you get the information is very, very clever. And then the freedom of the mixing is commercial. just so. It's, it's, very, commercial. it's massively commercial. Yeah. Okay, good. What are you thinking, Luch? Um, Alice has played a, a bit of a very clever ploy with this one because he knows that I love the, the, the chair test and the idea. Um, I've got absolutely nothing, nothing to fight him on it because okay. it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, good. So that's Lawrence Hookway's pin. Available from Lawrence himself directly or how would somebody go about it? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe it's available from Lawrence directly. And, and again... It's one of my track record with Fighter Corner is I, I highlight the items that I feel like very few people know or yeah. that are talking about. That's kind of why and I brought, amazing. That's why I brought the boon, the boon. in as well, by the way, yeah. because I felt for a little while people were talking about Lincoln's best boon, and then it sort of fizzled away, and people aren't talking about it, and I think Lincoln deserves some recognition for that. Okay, good. So we've got pinned by Lawrence Hookway, mm. and from yourself, Luke. Well, well, mine's a bit of a left field, a bit of a sort of curveball, okay. because uh, it's deemed a modern classic, and it was highly sought after when it, when it first by who? came out. Who says it's a modern class? Was it me? Um, probably Ken, I would imagine. Um, no, uh, the community at large, basically, it became very quickly one of those... It's a book. Uh, one of those books that everybody wanted to get hold of, uh, and then they didn't want to sell it because it was commanding high prices. Uh, a lot of people, if you look on the forums, said that the material was very good in it. Uh, but then... They did this whole thing where they did a, a collection and put them together and re-released them. Is this the which, zebra thing? Yeah, which kind of kind of sort of diluted the, the value of it. But it's Neil Scryer's uh, Practical Psy- um, Psychics Little Black Book. Okay, all right. I did get this. Yes, um, I, I own it as well. Oh, so, right, oh, good. We all own it. That's good. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you do your piece before. Well, I was in terms of value for me when I read it. I, I had to read it twice. Because when I read this, I didn't really know what to expect because I know when you look at places like the cafe and the internet, they're very good at creating this hype machine that can perpetuate hysteria amongst other mentalists and other performers. Um, So when I got it, I didn't really know what to expect. But after reading it, I was quite taken into his little world because it's completely different to my approach and the kind of stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. So for me, from that educational point of view, it was a whole new world. And I loved reading about what he did and what he does in New York. Um, now, the first thing you have to understand is that you have to be, uh, you have to have quite a lot of, um, let's say, experience within readings, giving readings and being comfortable doing that. Uh, and he does perform as a, as a psychic. Yes. There's no getting around that. And he, he does um, offer advice, and I know he works with Richard Webster, and they do explain the A to Z principle uh, and being able to take that and apply it to the effects and the ideas in the book. Yeah. So having said that, I don't necessarily... I didn't get the most from that. I got the most from some of the stories and some of the things and, and ideas uh, on being able to take something what's relevant to people in their everyday life, putting a reading spin on it, and making it interesting for the people. 
So, for example, the chocolate readings. Yes. Now, I know Sheila Lyons and people like that have some really good ideas, but I thought this was a really nice touch by giving each person, especially performing for females, um, a little piece of chocolate, what they then hold their thumb and finger on so it begins to melt and then push it onto one of the business cards. Mm -hmm. They then get to eat the chocolate, and he looks at the fingerprints on the card and gives a reading, and I think that's brilliant. Okay. Um, So it's just quirky little off-the-beat kind of things that I'm not used to seeing Mm. uh, coming from someone who performs something what's different to the kind of mentalism I perform. So in that sense, I enjoyed it, and I learned quite a lot from it. I'm not saying it's the best book I've ever read, but it was an entertaining read for me coming from someone who doesn't read that kind of material That's all sort the of time. the same view that I have. And I, I remember reading it thinking, this is absolutely never going to be the kind of perform- stuff that I'm going to perform, ever. Um, well, certainly in the work that I'm doing. And so, but I read it for more of a, this is a unique angle type thing. But I remember all the way through thinking, so who sits through this? Who, who is this for? I found some of it a little bit, I don't know, like... I couldn't really imagine somebody really doing a lot of the material. I thought, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of material here. Surely, as a professional reader, doesn't he spend most of the time reading? So I, I was kind of a bit confused about the content of, of the, of the routines being some tricks and kind of that kind of thing, but but mixing with the readings, it kind of confused me. And that might be my ignorance in terms of I've never performed under those conditions really for a long time. I mean, I did it when I was 15, 14, 15 years old. I was doing readings, but I was only doing readings. Like, I wasn't doing any trickery with it. Hmm. I wasn't even so much as uh, forcing a card or anything. It was literally people would, would, would cut cards from the, the, the tarot deck and I would read the cards. And I found that jarred a lot with the fact that I think as a reader, you should be doing, in, if you are a shut-eye reader, you should be doing it in the most true way possible. Whereas if you're, a, if you're going to use trickery, you're actually a charlatan, which I actually disagree, disagree with. So you have to, you know, you, if you don't believe it, you shouldn't be doing it. This is almost like the, the whole mixing magic with mentalism, but mixing readings with mentalism kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a question that doesn't often get posed, does it? No, no that's it. So, but yeah, it, coming from a, a different angle, a different uh, approach and, and perspective and viewpoint of performing yeah. um, this kind of psychic entertainment. I thought it was an interesting read. What do you think, but, Atlas? I have a lot of the same reservations that you just stated. I feel that mentalism is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. Anything else, I feel, has a moral um, quandary sort of attached to it. Yeah. And um, that's where I'm going to stand on that one. Okay. Hmm. Does, I'm, not, um, I'm not knocking anyone that likes that type of mentalism, but in my perspective, it isn't mentalism. And so I, I feel like... Um, it was it was targeted. But at then the he wrong, does title it, it the practical psychics. I know. I, I feel like it, it was targeted at the wrong market. But then within that, there are effects with like pendulums and business cards and. I know, but I'm not. I'm also not a giant pendulum guy. I feel do you, like do you not I put feel pen, like pendulums into mentalism. Do you not think they? No, I I feel like there's a whole. And I don't want to offend anyone with my viewpoints. Like I said, um, you can you can. The nice thing is. And you emphasize this as well as you read the book. There are things that you can read that you disagree with, and it, and it sort of solidifies what you think and why. And I feel like it's important to challenge your perspective as frequently as you can because it's the only way that you develop and grow. But um, so I'm not I'm not complaining in that respect. But I just feel like there's so much that's labeled mentalism that isn't mentalism, um, and just because it's on the penny for your thoughts 
thread on the cafe doesn't make it mentalism and it doesn't necessarily belong there. Yeah. And I'm not trying to upset or offend anyone. I just feel like there's so much there from certain people that I feel don't belong under the umbrella of mentalism. I agree. And I'm, again, I feel bad saying it because I don't want to be come across as being elitist or, and, 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 or unaccepting. And I understand that there are splinter groups of everything. Do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I have, you know, you, you mentioned charlatanism, uh, and I feel like that might be too strong of a word, but I certainly have qualms about using mentalism and the techniques in mentalism for anything other than entertaining. 100%. Okay. So, so we have to vote. Um, I need to uh, ask, based on the fact that in the past, one of the pieces that I brought to Fight Your Corner was was reduced to, uh, it couldn't be considered because you didn't know what it was, Luch. I need to also say then that Atlas's contribution, PIN, needs to be uh, disqualified because I don't own it, I've never seen it, and therefore it cannot be put forward. Okay, hang on. You didn't disqualify Neek Tan's epic. As a result, we went in with the vote for it. If you listen back to the did episode, we? yeah, we did. We went for it. Finish him. I'm not sure we did. I think you said, well, it can't be No, Nick Tan won. Yeah. Did you win? Yep. Because I asked sure. at the end, I said, can yeah. I get a copy, Neek? And he did send me a copy. I did it's actually good, enjoy it. It's yeah, really very good, isn't it? It's really good. good. Yeah, it's lovely guy. Um, so, uh, based on, based okay, on that, enough, we have enough. to keep... Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, of the... So, my vote... So make sure you have your vote in your head. No strategic voting, gentlemen. Atlas. What, my vote? Yeah. Who Lincoln's are you best for? boon. Lincoln's best boon. Good choice. I'll give my vote. No, Lucci will always go down the middle. So Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can, I know you can swing the outcome. Do you, are you sure you're not changing your mind? Yeah, yeah. No, I know what my, I, 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 yeah, I know what my, I know what my vote is. Okay. My vote, without a shadow of a doubt... This month is Lawrence Hookway's pin. Of the yeah, of the other two, even though I've not seen pin, it sounds a lot more like the kind of thing I would enjoy, use, and agree with more than the psychics. And to be fair, I think if you ask Lawrence, I think he'd probably send you a copy to have a read through. Oh, that because it probably is up your street in terms of commercial appeal. Very nice. Lawrence sent me a copy, and I loved it so much and knew I'd use it that I paid him for it. Really? I'm going to send you loads of things. And he was... <laughs> he, uh, he tried to refund my money, but I said, no, no, absolutely not. And it was... I'm, it's really Genuinely, good. it's excellent. It's good. It's good. It's mm. good. Right, we've got a new segment that mm. we're going to try and run every month called... 10 guesses. Yep. Um, it's like 20 questions, but we've decided that it will limit you to about 10, um, and then 10 rhymed with Ken. So now we're calling it, instead of 10 guesses... It's Ken guesses. Ken guesses. Ken guesses. Um, so you can ask us questions. We've got... Luch and I each have a mentalist in mind. Mm-hmm. You can ask us questions. And what we're going to do is we're just going to answer yes, no, or don't know. Okay. Or, or potentially maybe. Okay. So uh, Luch and I right now have a mentalist in mind. Ken? Yes? Try and get this mentalist. Are they alive? Yes. Uh, male, mm-hmm. American, no. no, Canadian, no, European, yes, yes. Uh, Italian, no, no, uh, British, yes, uh, famous, maybe, no. kind of no, uh, Scottish, no, uh, f- from England, yes, yes, uh, do public shows, probably, maybe, so, yes, not sometimes. very often, tattoos, no, 
Um, oh, no. no. Oh, not that we're aware of. Um, uh, has released stuff to the community. Yes, yes definitely. Um, have, have they ever he's lectured? He's, he's well past his ten questions. Uh, yeah. Am I? Am I past ten questions? Yeah, I don't think. I think for this one, we'll let we'll, you keep we'll going. I want to keep going. Did you say lectures? Lectures uh, very poorly. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we might have to edit that one. But yes, is it me? Right, so this this month's virtual prank, I thought... Oh, it was a surprise to me. <clears throat> I saw a picture that you had posted of me, and to be fair, I think you guys were evil today during lunch, taking lots of revenge photos of me. But um, I saw a picture that you posted online, and I thought, oh yeah, I've got a bunch of funny screenshots of Ken from when we Skyped. Uh, so I posted them on your page with the promise that if we got to 30 funny captions for one, that I would post the other ones that are embarrassing. Now, I've decided to extend that challenge out to the listeners. So there are now a bunch of hilarious Facebook pictures of you, or pictures of you on Facebook. Um, But if we get another 20 captions... Uh, I've got a picture of Ken looking a lot like Hitler that I'm going to post on Ken's yes! Facebook page. So if we um, if we manage that, then uh, I can promise you a revelation of a photo. So go to Ken's Facebook wall, find the uh, the caption challenge, and and what uh, <laughs> the Halloween event? No, no, it's it's the one where you're talking to Peter Clifford. And you were looking at me, but you you didn't realize I was taking pictures. Oh, I don't know this. Yeah, picture. you look oh. exactly like Hitler. Your hair wasn't done up or anything; right. it was just sloped down. Oh, across your I remember this. It's yes. a good picture, isn't it's it? It's the hairdo. Really. I might it's even Photoshop you into an outfit. Oh, brilliant! I love I love a little bit of Nazi of, of an evening. What do you want them to do? Uh, all they've got to do is go to your uh, your Facebook wall, yeah. find the uh, find the caption challenge from a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Scroll down, find the find the caption challenge, and then uh, add as long as we get twenty more captions on there making fun of you on any of the photos. I'm quite happy. Oh, great! So that's the virtual prank. Thank you for playing. Mystery of the month. Back by absolutely no popular demand whatsoever. <laughs> None at all. Uh, we brought back the mystery of the month. Looch, what's this month's mystery of the month? Well, hmm. I have seemed to have noticed that there seems to be a lot of sales popping up. What do you mean? Well, you know, people, there seem to be that there's quite a few mentalists down on their look, and as a result, there are sales popping up on their products, yeah. or almost like online petitions to raise money for a certain cause. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, it makes you. It does make you wonder. Who could be the next mentalist that might have to take up that? That sort of stance. Yeah. Where will the next charity plea come from? Who do you I, think it will be? I think it might be Atlas. Actually, in fact, um, I found this little recording. I think we should play it now. Today I looked out of the window. The tree was bare of leaves. It made me sad. So sad. So I've started a GoFundMe campaign where you can help cure my depression. I can't wait till spring. So there, that was Atlas's plea to buy him a pie, uh, and then hopefully by next month, he'll be feeling much happier. Well, you can actually um, help Atlas find his pie yes. by clicking on the donate button. On the yeah, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Freementalist.com, you can donate and uh, help us to uh, keep the equipment going and also pay for my train fares. That'd be nice of you. 
So we would like to give a great big thank you to the following people who have very kindly donated to the Three Mentalist podcast. Uh, there are ooh, six people this month, which we are very thankful for. First of all, I would like to say thank you to a good friend of mine, Mr. Moreau Dantes, for giving a significant contribution um, to our donation fund. Thank you to Ross Headley. And James Kennedy. Connor Jacobs. Timothy Pratt. And John Jurdy, who is a friend of mine as well. So thank you, John. Thank you, everybody, for your contributions. Uh, you guys us keep this are going. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Remember, if you do want to help us out and contribute to our expenses of us getting together and making yep. all this wonderful thing happen, you can do so by clicking on the donate button over at threementalists.com. Yeah, we, we certainly do hope that we offer you something that at some point in your life and professional performing career adds value. And if it does, please give back. Please give back. <laughs> or even if you just have fun, because we have fun. We do have fun, don't we? Yeah, stop but I prefer give back. Stop, stop, stop yeah. touching me. Hmm. No, don't stop. Okay. I, I did actually buy a new car thanks to the uh, the contributions of these guys. Did you? Yeah, it was, a, it was a Hot Wheels. Tales <laughs> <laughs> from the trenches. Something I've really enjoyed uh, since the last time we spoke is we've had a lot of input, a lot of messages on Facebook and Twitter from our listeners with questions, ideas, opinions. And it's, it's always fantastic to read those things. And like you said earlier, it's those questions and those opinions that really give us a springboard, a stimulus for us to bounce off and give you content back. So yeah. I think we're going to dive into some more of those questions now, Atlas. Are you going to reach yeah, out? Yeah, but before we do, though, I yeah. want to say that there's... Um, there was a post that came in on uh, the cafe from uh-huh. a guy named Jeff Aikens. And uh, I looked at his site because I'd never seen him before. I was curious because uh, it looks like he's blowing bubbles. And it was amazing, literally amazing. I want to congratulate Jeff on his show. Literally sat down with the YouTube videos, watched them with my sons, and they loved it. I, I was fascinated and really impressed. Great. So, what well done, Jeff Aikens. Was it a mentalism show? Or? No, he does, he does motivational, <coughs> inspirational speaking using wow. blowing bubbles. Amazing. That and sounds it, good. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was incredible. He, it's called The Square Bubble, and his whole show is about the quest to create a square bubble, and it was fascinating. There were lots of amazing things that he did. Um, so, yeah, Jeff, I was, I was pleased that you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, I enjoyed your work. Brilliant. Um, Something we'll have to go and watch. Yeah, so having said that, let's, uh, let's get to the question I think we're going to focus on here. Um, was it says, I think this came in from someone, Dino88. Uh, that says, as someone who's trying to get put together a close-up mentalism set, I'd be interested in the process you have for putting your sets together. Do you start with what you want the final effect to be and work backwards, or does it start with a theme you'd like to run throughout? Uh, I'm very fer- fearful of performing trick after trick. Thanks, Dean. Okay. And I think I think I'll uh, add that we should not just focus on a close-up set here, but there's a broader, yeah. you know, for a parlor set or for a stage show or whatever it is. Um, how do we go about then creating that set? So again, the question is uh, twofold. Uh, do you start with what you want the final effect to be and work backwards? Or does it start with the theme you'd like to run throughout? Okay. I personally think the first thing you do is consider your audience. I know we mentioned this briefly before. Um, because y- your audience and who you're performing for, the size of the group, uh, a lot of those things will end up limiting what is a viable option for performance. So if you have, if you're doing a dinner party for 12 people, switching something in for a prediction is a very difficult thing to do and get away with because inevitably those 12 people are going to say, talk, yeah. Yeah. "Did you write so, that? Did you, yeah, think did you that? write that? Oh, who created that for this massive prediction at the end?" So there's, there's, there's. Um, 
the sets of circumstances that preclude you from doing certain effects or certain methodologies. Yeah, methodologies, definitely. You can still you can change the method to achieve a, you can, the you same can effect. Same, yeah, and similarly, exactly. in, in the averse, you know, you, you know, if you're going to be doing a large event, uh, you, there are certain things you wouldn't want to do that you would do close up because they're yes. going to be they're going to be too small. Radical, they're going to yeah, or even the, some methods, you know, some switches, some palming. Some, yeah, you some can't bo- get away with them. Yeah, yeah. not on stage. It's so, interesting actually. Just talk just. We mentioned about this. Um, you, you would look at something like uh, I know you mentioned earlier about the real die, which is for the vast majority of it is a close-up thing. It's a small thing, unless, you, unless you've got a camera and a screen, which is exactly what I did at an event where I had the a Sheffield little, uh, United, yeah, a GoPro camera linked to a, a you know linked to a live ten-foot uh, stage. Um, so there was always ways out of it if you just try and think out of the box in terms of your approach. Um, I'd like to. I know we, we're going to look at. You know, sort of parlor, stand up, stage, and close up. Um, I did actually do a bit of writing about this a few years ago in terms of close up. There was a routine called 4.8 minutes, yeah. and there were some lecture notes called A Sad Night in Hamburg. That's, that's the one where you, uh, <coughs> that's got me as a bloody pack horse woman. That's the one with the, with the pack horse principle in it. So for me, from, from a close up point of view, primarily because this goes back to what I spoke about, I like to approach building a set by um, giving my credibility in terms of what I do, introducing the idea um, of being a mind reader, but not necessarily reading a mind in a psychic, traditional, sort of mediumistic sense. So what I say, you know, that there's lots of information all around us, what we just need to pay attention. For example, and I will give um, the example, say, a poker player. You know, you watch two poker players trying to work out who's got the cards, who's bluffing who. They wear the, the dark glasses as to not giving away any tells because they're aware that people give away certain signals that you might be able to pick up on. Yeah. So then going into a demonstration that shows that because it's a very believable premise. For example, um, a deck of cards, someone thinks of a card and then you ask a few questions and try to work out what that card is by supposedly reading their tells, body language, whatever. That's setting a scene as a, in terms of a psychological kind of performer. And from that, you can then increase the difficulty rating into something else which becomes more and more impossible but still uses that same skill set. Um, at that point, I would then like to push things even further and to be able to do a very strong direct piece of mind reading that is a little bit more difficult to accept to using the previously described supposed methodology. Uh, so, for example, you might be able to work out what a playing card is or uh, a series of numbers on a, on a dice, uh, say, three times in a row, but then to work out let's say, a picture, an image someone has in their mind by doing a drawing duplication or a name revelation, but explaining it as using very similar skill sets, but it becomes almost like a jigsaw puzzle where you're having to piece it together and use your um, common sense, uh, intuition, and other things to try and work out what you think the best fit is for that particular uh, demonstration. But what I like to do is, after that, after it becomes slightly more and more impossible, is to leave... The, the whole set on something that is completely impossible, and that is what I think one of the strongest things in mentalism is a prediction. So it kind of comes full circle. Um, so you might ask for a randomly free choice of something at the start, which then you never really make reference to until the end when you then produce this apparent free choice as a prediction, which I think is a set. I think it gives a really nice, strong set of phases which leaves something that's utterly inexplicable at the end 
and you've almost taken your audience on a slight journey, let's say, and left them completely mind-blown at the end. So that's, from a close-up point of view, that's something that I've often used and I've spoke about in 4.8 minutes and in Sad Night to Hamburg. And Um, I've said before, 4.8 minutes, I feel like, is probably one of the best close-up sets structurally you can do. There's a nice nice hook, there's a nice theme, there's a nice story arc to it. And it's a, it's a consistent piece that can be repeated again and again and again from table to table to table. Yeah. So I think, I, actually, Ken reviewed that years ago and wasn't even aware that he reviewed it. I think he might have even forgotten. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Did I review it? Yeah, you actually reviewed it. Uh, Did I say part I liked of, it? Yeah. That's all right, then. Yeah. You look, otherwise, it's been a very awkward you conversation. You lucky, lucky bastard. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> Four point eight minutes. Yeah, you did it on a, a mail out. You reviewed that and something else. There we go. Interesting. There you go. There you are. Well, um, I mean, I have a totally different way of structuring my show. And I've talked about this in a few different places. I've written about it in some articles I've written. And my thing is, I don't subscribe to the idea of starting off believable and becoming more and more impossible. I know a lot of people do. A lot of people uh, like to start off with something that's very, you know, a simple choice or something like this. I used to do that. But my problem with that is, I found with my character, my personality, and maybe, and the combination of my character personality with the audiences that I'm working for, and remember, they're the variables that we all have to deal with, that that wasn't selling, that wasn't um, getting me the kudos, that wasn't getting them to buy into me as quickly as I wanted them to. So what I decided to try out one day, terrifying, you know it's like when you change the waves on something forever. The first time you walk on thinking, bloody hell, I hope this works. I, I then started off by doing... I always open up now with something... Con- basically, the second most impossible thing I'm going to do on my show is my opener. So the most impossible thing... Not necessarily just the most impossible thing, because that's not really the rule that I work by. But it, it, it's... Okay, so I don't think I want to talk about, really. But I start off with something that's extremely impossible. <clears throat> because what I want to do the moment that I walk out is I want to answer a few fundamental questions that I believe my audience to have. They want to know... Is this going to be any good? Because they've never heard of us. Can this guy really do these things that I've read about in the program or the you know the re- the, 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 the preview material? And and next, am I going to like him? So what I want to do is I want to prove that yes, you're going to like it. Yes, it's going to be good, and yes, I can really do it. And I want to do it fast because the sooner I get I get them over that hurdle of all these questions, the sooner they can relax and just enjoy the show. So I walk out and I do something really strong, the strongest thing I can think of for doing. And then it's almost like, and I, I basically my show is completely written based on energy levels. I don't really consider what the trick's going to be until basically the last moment of creativity. So I know that I want the opening of my show to be fast, but I also have some credentials for the opener. My opener has to allow me to interact with a lot of members of the audience. They have to allow me to display my personality, and it has to be really impossible. That can be an opener for me. Whereas a closer has to tie back some presuppositions that have been built up throughout the show or throughout people's lives. And it has to leave them with that moment of questioning and having had some belief or something turned upside down, flipped on its head, turned inside out, and displayed in a new or different way. Everything in the middle is to do with pacing. I want, a, I want a longer, not slower, but longer piece in the middle, which is basically going to be the feature of my show. 
So I've now got an opener, which basically says, this is who I am, this is what my personality is, and this is the kind of things that I can do. You can trust me, you can relax, you can enjoy the show, we're going to do this together because I can do it. Then I'm going to go slowly move into the themes of my central piece. My central piece will then happen, which gives them the main thing they'll talk about after the show. Then I'll move into the finale, which ties back to something that happened earlier. That's the structure that I'm using for stand-up. Close-up, the few close-up gigs I have been doing, um, again, I go in, I just do really impossible stuff. I don't do anything that's psychological. I go in, I ask them to think of things, and I read their minds on different conditions. I don't make it at all um, psychological or anything like that at all. See, I, I agree with an awful lot of what you just said, but again, I think it depends on who your audience is, what your show is. Um, my stage show or parlor show tends to be sort of a slow burn where it can be. Uh, I, if, I, if I can, I like to do all numeros and opera because my presentation for it establishes several key ideas. One, that I'm quite fun and funny and you can laugh with me, and I'm encouraging the audience to shout out and to interact and, and to have it be a show where it's not so prim and proper um, because I feel like that, that gets more, um, more entertainment out of it, but also it, it makes people, it, it almost builds rapport more quickly. So I, I feel like for an opener, I need to, like you said, interact with lots of people, do something that's, that's quite amazing. It's not the most amazing thing that I do by any stretch of the imagination, but it almost is billed as me sort of getting to know you. Hello, I'm, I'm foreign. I'm not from around here. Let's, let's play a game and get to know each other. Um, and in the meanwhile, the rules are set so that people understand they can shout, they can laugh, and they can have a good time because that's, that's what I want to happen. And then it becomes a slow burn where I say, right, I'm sort of, sort of getting to know you guys, and then I, I move into more and more and more impossible things until the, the finale is, so I'm, I'm almost like a steep incline where you've got peaks and valleys, and I find it interesting. I've um, always thought of you as a steep incline. Thank you. Um, whereas I've also thought of you as curvy with peaks and valleys. Um, but uh, <laughs> No finish him? Come on, man. Where, where are you? I was finish him. Yeah, oh! Um, but uh, but I, I've, I've, again, looked at the audience and thought, right, I need to switch my first bit so it is impossible um, and, and so I, I always have these backup plans in case things aren't as I fear that they will be, or as not fear that they will be, but in case they, in case they aren't what I expect them to be. Um, but again, I think it depends on what you've been booked for. Like, um, going back to the other question about customizing material, the, the, the first question was, look, do you start with an end point and then work your way backwards, or do you create a theme? Um, and uh, I mentioned a few months ago that I was I was lucky enough to be asked to do a BP show. Yeah. Um, BP came back to me, and I've got another gig with them in January, which oh. is very nice because they asked for me specifically, um, which was great. They're they're doing a big conference, a big two day conference, and they've booked me in for a, a evening entertainment, and it's the Castrol team for the Global Accounts Management, um, and and they've got this this uh, plan for the event, so I'm sent over the brief. Um, and understand sort of what they want being done. And I'm in these conference calls with the different stakeholders. And one of the, one of the stakeholders runs photo booths. Yeah. And they says, okay, well, how can we incorporate that with this, with this idea of unity? Um, and so I, I volunteered the idea, well, you know, if you take the backgrounds that you're, that you're printing up for these photo booths, what if there was a hidden image that was then predicted at the end of my show that everyone helped to create predicted at the end of the show and then because everyone has these photographs you know then it's tied in um and and so it 
they said, that's a great idea. We'd love that. Can you do that? And I says, absolutely. Uh, and then now I have something to work toward. And so now I have to look at it and say, right, well, what's, what is the brief for this? Well, they want unity and they want to talk about teamwork. And these are the, the key values that they're going to do in the conference. So how can we create this? Um, and so what in the end I did was I created an image of several flowers whose petals were together like the gears. Oh, right, yeah. Um, you know, symbolizing both teamwork and Castrol as a motor lubricant. Um, and then the, the flower is going to be white in the center, red in the, um, in, in the petals, and then uh, green in the stalk, which is Castrol's colors. And the stalk looks like the number one. You know what I mean? So we, we created something that has lots of meaning yeah. um, to them. And so now, with that in mind, then I've got to work backwards and say, right, well, I've got my normal show, but yeah. how can I create this theme throughout so that right. when we come full circle, how can I get this prediction? So um, to answer his question, to answer Dean's question, I think sometimes it depends on what your client brief is and what you feel that you can then turn around and creatively offer them. Um, and when it, it depends on the starting point, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes yeah. the starting point may be a client brief. Sometimes it might be that you have a theme. You think, oh, I really want to do a show which is about psychic spies. Or I really want to do a thing which is about identity theft or whatever your theme might be. Sometimes it's like, I just want to do a new show and I've got a really good idea for a closing routine. Yeah, I, I think the bottom line is that there's no... Well, we can give you ideas and we can lay out formulas that have worked for us. At the end of the day, it's your creativity as as a performer and as an artist and what you decide that you do want to convey and how you want to convey it or what you need to convey, what you're being paid to convey and how you, and how you perform and convey it and how you make it happen. So uh, I feel like for some shows, hey, be creative and, and you know work along a structure like Ken's where it works for him and, and it, it makes sense to you. Um, and other ones, you've got less scope and you have to work in how do I make this happen for these people. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's along the lines of customizing the message. Sometimes you've got to creatively find uh, ways to do that. I think one of the things that I've been asked to do a few times is when, you know, when, you, when somebody says, you know, we want you to do a customized thing for, for a conference or a, or a product launch, is what I often do is I'll write down all the things that I know about the company and I'll write down all the, all the effect themes that we have available to us as mentalists. And that might be something as broad as prediction and, uh, and, and mind reading, but also down to uh, bank night routines and da 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 da, da you know, all these Chair things. Chair tests. And then you look at those things and work out what marries, or, exactly, yeah. what marries together. So if I'm doing a thing for, I've done a few things for car companies. So how can I take uh, this, thing, this, this theme of this conference, which, which one example was about bringing the outdoors indoors, for example. Which of these routines allows me to apply that theme? And, and you just go, who could I apply with that in this way? And it literally is about brainstorming, finding a friend, finding a partner, finding a, uh, a girlfriend, husband, wife, mum, you know, dad, whatever, to sit and just talk through, I could do this, I could do that. And then as you're talking things through, I find that I sell myself on the, on I, the on, on an idea and an idea, Charles. But uh, you, you mentioned something there which I neglected to point out, but I, I did and I agree with and I think is essential to any part of customization, which is find out as much as you can about whoever the you're brand. doing the work for. Yes. Um, and, and that's what I did. I sat down and I found out loads. I didn't know Castrol was a brand that was just from up north, you know what I mean, and, mm -hmm. um, and has links to rugby. I, I can tell you lots and lots of stuff about it now. Yeah. But the more but you find out about it. Just to let you know, because a mistake I made is I did loads of research on a brand once, but I'm doing a rebrand event. 
Ah, right. You need to find out about the new brands. You need to get on those conference calls. You need to get the brand and documentation, well, and, and, the branding And the answers are in your client brief and in, in all of all these bits and bobs that go along with an event like that. Um, yeah. So I think what we're basically saying is it depends from which end that you're going to approach this. Yep. It could be that you've got a great idea for some routines <clears> you really like um, to go into a show. You, I'm really attached to this this great new routine. Maybe, you, maybe you're really absolutely and totally in love with something like PIN, uh, this great chair test, and you think, right, I want to do a show. What could the theme be that I could apply to that so I can include that in my show? That's a fine and a respectable way of going about it. It's mm. the way I've done lots of my shows. Um, but other ways are okay. I really want to talk about. I really want to talk about. I don't know uh, about gambling and what and what people will do for greed, which was a theme of one of my shows a number of years ago. So which, and then I start looking at okay, which routines allow me to deal with greed? So I think there's two different ways of looking at that. Is yeah. it material first, or is there something you really want to say? Well, well, once you have your goal, like with this one with the BP thing. Um, and I was then faced with the problem of, right, how do I create this prediction and make the team build it? Um, it, it, it you find the simplest solution that's still credible. Um, and in this case, everyone on the tables uh, will have a pen and a, and a blank piece of card, and I'm going to ask them to write down five things. Um, so two colors, a couple of numbers, and then something they'd see when they look out the doors. That's it. Uh, those will all get gathered up, mixed up. And five randomly chosen. They'll yep. put, be put in an envelope. They'll be put in uh, the Predalus envelope. Yeah. And that's going to be sealed up and left there. And so all, all I've got to do is introduce the idea in one set, um, come back, and then have them gathered up, popped right into the envelope, and I'm all set Ready for my go. prediction at the end. Um, so I'm doing the rest of my show kind of as, as is, um, as they'd seen at the other one, which they liked and they wanted. Um, but now I've just added this one extra little bit to it. But again, I know where everything's building, so now I have a very nice prediction ending. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm obviously making sure now that my latter half of my set isn't prediction heavy because I have a prediction uh, ending. So, so you look for variety as well. I mean, I've seen a show, I'm not going to mention whose show it is, which was a great premise for a show, but basically it was 12 different variations of Bat Night. Yeah, 12, 12 of the same. 12 the same thing. And, 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 that, and it becomes boring. And then, and then with their little cloth bags, and you go, hang on, it's the same thing happening yeah. over and over again. Which, by the way, is easy to do. Was the show called Predictable? <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I think we've got to remember is we can get so close to it and think, actually, the theme of this bit's this, the theme of that bit's that. We forget, actually, all of this looks the bloody same. You sort of have to step back and go, hang on. Is there any variety here? Is a variety well, in pace, in color, in props, in theme, in, in dialogue? In di oh my dialogue goodness. matters so much to be able to. I mean, you can do all of those things as long as your dialogue is compelling and you have a good, uh, you know, a strong script. Right. Right. But so so often people get wrapped up in the trick that they forget that mentalism is about communication and you have to know what do you want to communicate. Sometimes it's something you're being paid to communicate. Sometimes it's something you're passionate about. Sometimes it's something, you know, that's just the entertainment. But you, you have to decide, what do I want to communicate? Welcome back. We're at Luch Guessers now, which, uh, which we're now... So Atlas and I now know the, the identity of a famous mentalist, or at least a known mentalist that we'll all have heard of. Luch, you've got ten <coughs> questions. Go. Okay. Alive? Yes. Male? Yes. British? Yes. Are they a worker? 
Ooh. Yes. Don't know. I believe so. I think so. Yep. Do they have a website? Yes. Yes. Do they release material to the public? To the public. Sorry, to the uh, to the mentalism. Yes. yes. <coughs> Are they very successful with doing that? Um, probably. I would probably, say. Yeah, I think so. so. Do they live near the Midlands? Don't know the answer to that question. I think yes. Two more. Do they have facial hair? No. no. One more question that you have to guess. Okay. Do they organise an event every year? Not that I know of. No, I don't believe so. What's your guess, Luge? I'm going to say Ben Cardell. He has facial hair. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Somebody else? No, no, I don't care. Oh, (laughs) it's Chris Rawlins. Who? Right, so I wanted to uh, propose something called the uh, the Vankman Challenge. This is based on... uh, that, that film Ghostbusters where Peter Vankman the character at the start is testing uh, extra sensory perception well, using the Vankman Zenner, challenge using Zenner cards um, so the idea here is that we'll flip a coin ten times we'll each take turns ten predicting yeah predicting this is another, another gum challenge one <laughs> Look, it could be funny we, we don't know yeah the, the, the last time challenge you said this gum challenge was really funny Everybody laughed at that. Yeah, you know what? You can't reference that because people don't know. I mean, that could end the show. You don't know. That's true. So, so don't, don't so how spoil do we the pla- fact that it's not very funny. Mm, how do we place the Vankman challenge? Right, so I'm going to just flip a coin, let it land on the table. Okay. Uh, and we'll take turns trying to call uh, heads or tails correctly. The person with the highest total is uh, is uh, deemed is most this... psychic. Yes, is, is this week's most psychic. Is this month's This month's most, most psychic And you are not person. using any trickery. No, I'm literally... 2p coin flipped up on the table. You can provide your own coin if you have a suspicion. No, no. Okay, okay so who, who should we have go first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay, Ken. Tails. Tails. Here we go. It is heads, so you're 0 for 1. Zero. You are not. Your powers are weak, old okay. man. Okay. Uh, tails. <laughs> heads again. 0 for 2. Yeah. Okay. Tails. Heads again. 0 for 3. Heads. No! <laughs> It's tails. You two are just duping me. This is a wind-up. This is a wind-up. How many was that? Four. Four and four. Heads. Oh, for for God. You could be psyching, but just in the other direction. the other direction. Heads. One for seven. Uh, Heads again. One for seven. Heads. This is... One for eight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to win. What's the uh, joke? You're telepathetic. Nine. Uh, nine. It's heads. 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 No, oh, it's heads. one for nine. Okay, last one. Tails. <laughs> <laughs> one for ten. I couldn't Kennedy. be less Kennedy, That's ten percent psychic ability. <laughs> you are ninety percent shit. <laughs> I'm ten percent psychic. Call the press. In fact, that is actually impressive. That you could be that bad. Yeah. yeah. It actually staggering. Actually in, in many ways, it's <laughs> it's astonishing. <laughs> All right, Atlas, you're next. Okay. Yeah, you're, uh, you only have to get more than one. I'm yeah. going to go with heads. I'm the least psychic so far. Oh. oh that went right into, that right into Lucha's lap. Zero. So that's Tails, Zero so I'm one. all for one. Let's go Tails. All right. He's already drawing two. two. Uh, tails. Oh. See, I made it look easy. One one for three. Uh, We'll go tails. Yes, two. Two He's in the lead. You guys are scamming me. I know you are. 
Three for... What is it? Three, three for five? For five. This is a scam. Uh, we'll go heads again. Bam! Four, four for six. How are you doing this? What did he drop? Heads. heads. So what am I? Four for seven? Four yeah. for I'm seven. Go tails. Oh, Bam. five for eight. Five for eight. I'm going to go tails. Nuts. Heads. So that's five for nine. And we'll go heads. Bam! Six for ten! Sixty percent psychic ability. Psychic ability. That's not bad. Made you, look, made you look like an absolute <laughs> amateur. It did. It made me look terrible. Okay, next we'll, uh, we'll take it up on Luke's. Uh, Luke? No. F*** you. <laughs> Why don't you call yourself Luke? It's much easier. Luch, are you psychic? Let's find out if you're more than 60% psychic. What are you going to call it? I'm going to call heads. No. <laughs> All for one. I'm going to call heads again. Four for two. Oh, you see? No, no, just call heads again. Oh, oh one, one for, three. for three. One for three. Okay, you draw. Tails. One, one for four. four. You're drawing with me, I'm, I'm, I'm you see I'm, yeah. Tails again. Two for five. Two for five. Oh, you are crap. <laughs> <laughs> heads. Oh, that one switched. I used the mental used ability the power. to read for the six. Power. That's not what bad. What was that, three for six? Three yeah. for six. That's heads again. Nope. Tails, three oh, for seven. Seven. Three for seven. Tails again. Oh, Ooh. three for eight. I've locked this away. Three for eight. Tails. Three, three for, for nine. nine. One more. And a head. <laughs> three for ten. Three for that. So you're 30%, 30% psychic. Wow, guys. I'm crushing it. You, you, are you crushing two it. together weren't as psychic as I was today. That's no? amazing. So, with that in mind, um, what are the lottery numbers? And now, let's go back to the chew-off. I want you to imagine three devilishly good-looking mentalists sitting around a table with their mouths stuffed with gum. Let's see how we're doing. Middle Atlas. Oh. No. Yeah, Atlas. Starting at the Seven of Diamonds. What are the next three cards in Austerland's breakthrough card system? <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> okay. Let me think for a second. Two of diamonds. That is correct, right? I'll tell you once you get all three answers. Okay, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Oh, that actually created a ring in my Okay. The eight of spades. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, I realised that. I was just looking at that. And the eight of hearts. Wrong! <laughs> that was a torturous, you just let it long it out. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> which, which one was I wrong on? All of them. You should probably stick to the solution. I've heard it's much better. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How can I have been wrong? Oh, I value everything differently. <laughs> That's why. Because yeah. he got, yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Do you have a question? I was, in principle, I was largely correct. <laughs> <laughs> you can never be not right. Is that what you said when your real die didn't work? <laughs> <laughs> you two are really bad. Finish him. Okay, Luch. Yo. Two part question for you. Uh huh. Who originate, originally created Out of This World? Paul Curry. And who subsequently released their handling called New Way Out of This World? 
new way out of this That's world. That's two questions. I'm not happy with that. It's a two-part question. Is it, is it even a mentalism routine? I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue. I've only ever done one handling of that. Eat up. Who was okay, it? Okay, what was it? UF Grant. Mm. All right, okay. Okay. All right, then, bait. My <laughs> question... <laughs> <laughs> five, five is also the last in the series of which mental magic books? Five? Hmm. Five is also the last in the series of which mental magic books? Okay, I'm, it's either Bascom Jones or it's Paolo Cavialli. Ooh. I'm going to go Bascom Jones. It's actually... Uh, the Mental Magic of Basil Horowitz. Oh. They did five five volumes okay. of it. Mm-hmm. There's, that's unfair, because there's five volumes. It's so much now, crap. what is unfair is asking me about that <laughs> bloody Paul Curry and following up with another impossible question. Okay. So. <clears throat> My question. Um, according to Orson Welles, who was or is the most influent, the most original mind in magic, Luke? Wow. Um, according to Orson Welles. Who was or is the most original mind of I magic? I think I know this. I think it's Di Vernon. Was it talking about Di Vernon? No, it was Max Maven. Either. Ah! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. One for you, Ken. Mm-hmm. What is the full name, mm, no. just first and last name, okay. of Soren Harbo's lab co partner? I have no idea. What was the last name, did you say? First and last name. Oh, I okay. Know. I, I kind of know. It's Niels. Who? Niels. Niels. My mouth aches. <laughs> That's what that. said. Oh, man. My go? Mm. Uh, to Atlas. Mm. The name of the Woodward and Marks biography on Maurice Fogel. I'm looking for the name. I almost asked this question. <laughs> Popped another piece right in my mouth. <laughs> in search <laughs> of the sensational. sensational. Yeah. Um. What, Luch, mm-hmm. is Jeff's Surname? Uh, Poncha. Correct. I also knew that one. I wish I had gotten that one. Mm, sorry, man. Your, your friend. Ken, mm. who was once fooled by the entire PEA audience? Oh, ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, was it Bob Cassidy? It was, wasn't it? It was Bob Cassidy's story, what he, he told. Was it him? Or was it... I'm pretty sure everyone... He did tell the Bob. story, yeah, by everyone... That's yeah. who I think it is. Yeah. I believe that's... Uh, I agree. I think it is as well. Cool. Okay. Um, for Atlas. Maurice Fogel ended many of his shows with his signature dangerous rope-related piece, which is known as... I this one too. Oh, I should know this. This is a, this is a recurring theme of Maurice Fogel this month. Mm. It's the one where he hang. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. We're looking for the name of the trick. You're a jerk. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm going to call you it the Hangman's News. It's close. It's called Cheating the Gallows. Cheating the gallows. Dang it. You knew the trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leech, mm-hmm. we said that um, Darren's new production company is called Vaudeville Productions. Yep. Spell Vaudeville. V A U D um, E V I L L E. Boom. Correct. 
Eat it. You don't know about me. Boom. You don't know about me. Boom. You don't know about me. Boom. By the way, it's not to the B. Having proofread the Black Project, I am staggered that you got that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, where was that attention to detail in the proofing? Okay, so this my turn. I know the same. Okay, so shut up. Do it. This is for Luch. Bitch. And this is a trick question. Who has recently become famous for his deductionist style? And you say it's a trick question. Yes, it is. Who has recently become famous? I mean, are we talking famous as in public eye or just within the mentalism world? The word, the word is famous. Um, Interpretation is up to you. This feels a bit unfair to it, that one. Because then there's well, the I whole Sherlock Holmes thing. But then um, I would probably say since Colin is now doing... Uh, what's he called? The illusionist. He's probably got more public exposure, known as the deductionist. Uh, that's that would be my guess. So, who's your answer? Uh, Colin Cloud. I'm going to go ahead and say that is correct. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good. Um, okay. This is for Ken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> another Morris Fogel question. Oh, yeah, right. Fogel also appeared in another classic of mentalism where he was interviewed. Name the book. Interviewed. Mm. Oh, I know this one. I know this one. I know this one. Oh, I think he was interviewed in 13 Steps. Yes, he certainly was. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Phew. Okay, Ken's turn. Um, when does this end? That's <laughs> <laughs> the next question. Performance craft. Okay, so what are we doing in this segment? We're answering some of the questions that came in. Mm. We've got quite a few this time. Yeah, we did. We got we, some pretty good ones. Yeah, we kind of obliquely referenced one of them. Mm. Uh, which went something along the lines of, should I, should I actually look up the question you guys yeah, want to scroll for yeah, two seconds? Why? I think it's important, very, very important, that we, we really sort of hit home that these kind of questions what you guys are posing are the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, it obviously, it makes it personal to, to the listeners, but also it's, it's what you guys want us to talk about, which, you know, it's, it's, it gives it substance as opposed to just, you know, three of us getting together and chatting. Substance or sustenance? Oh, whatever. Or substance. What? <laughs> Which he just slipped. I literally almost passed that. <laughs> Did he just pop it? We should have bobbed instead of weaved. <laughs> whoop, whoop, okay, here's the actual question Do you incorporate deliberate misses into your act? Do you feel this adds or detracts from the realism of the overall effect? So, uh, I believe we were talking earlier about the accidental miss mm. that I had, and I have to say, accidental misses are obviously just terrible. When when things don't go right, yeah. um, they, they sort of put you on the back foot. Uh, it's not... You all right there, champ? Yeah, I don't think... Right, so... Yeah, so <clears throat> a deliberate miss is very different from an accidental miss. Yeah. Um, I think accidental misses can sometimes be played right to to add to realism, but... It's not something that you can plan for, and so it's, it's harder to recover from. Um, but a deliberate miss can actually, I feel, sometimes add value. Um, but I feel like this question is best answered in conjunction with another question. Okay. Um, so I- if you will, we'll take the two uh, in hand because they do sort of tie in together. We'll do twos up on this question. Yeah, and so it... it um, Let's see, let's find the other question here. It's right here. It says, could you give a more specific example about applying the Bairn theory 
to your work. I own Baron and love it, but applying that theory to already existing pieces of mine is a struggle for me. If you could take me through a routine, basically. Um, so let me let me answer this, and then I'll okay. get your guys' feedback. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the Baron theory, I, I believe this guy was referencing something I'd written online about the most important thing about Baron to me, because uh, I, I did, and I still feel this way, and I, I hate that we talk about your book all the time. Um, <laughs> But it's embarrassing for me. Yeah, most certainly. <laughs> um, I can I can hardly imagine how it feels for you. But yeah. uh, I said at the time yeah, I thought it was the most important book since Maximum Entertainment. Not because of the routines inside of it, but because it's peppered with little sentences that show the the thinking, uh, which to me really leads to the entertainment value of a piece. Yeah. So uh, you said something in Baron, something along the lines of, and this is what I think they mean by Baron theory, uh, something along the lines of. Uh, when you tell a joke, the punchline is funny because people don't see it coming. Yes. It's when someone knows a joke that they don't laugh or that they don't react. And right. so often in mentalism, it is like a joke where someone knows the punchline already or can, can, can see it coming. Right. Uh, you've drawn a picture, have you? You've put it into an envelope. I bet this guy's going to work out what it is. Um, Which and is okay so, and, Yeah, and it's still impressive, but there's a difference between being impressive and being entertaining. Someone, it's like the difference between watching, um, watching Columbo where you find out in the beginning who did it, and the, the drama is, is taken from the how will he get caught, how will he achieve this, uh, compared to like your standard Agatha Christie whodunit of what is the outcome. And I think you can and, blend and, those two things. Yeah, and, and, and I, I see that, and I appreciate that. So as I, as I read through Baron, oh yeah, what I was going to say was someone, I forget where it was, but recently I read something where... They listed their tenets of creating a performance piece, and they, they said um, that the emphasis is on being entertaining. Um, and, I, and I get that, and they listed like four or five different steps of preparation. Um, but when they got to the last bit, they said, if you've done all the others, then this will be entertaining. It naturally follows. And I disagree with that. I think that you have to work to make a piece entertaining. It isn't just a matter of doing this checklist but you have to be charismatic, you have to be likable, you have to be able to bring the audience on side instantly and cope with those moments when things don't go along really well. So I, I feel like um, that, that philosophy that you outlined in Bairn, in a very oblique way, uh, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but it has changed some of the ways that I've approached my set, and I've gotten a lot more entertainment value, entertainment value out of it. Uh, so he says... You know, and I've talked in past podcasts about some of the things that I did to change my yeah. set um, and add that extra little bit of punchline. But recently, he says, you know, take it and apply it to an, another routine, and I don't have to come up with a hypothetical one because I, I watched Mark Paul's lecture uh, and decided to do his four envelope test which in is the lecture, one of those which is things. which is phenomenal. And there's a piece in there. So the first time I performed it was for a building society, uh, and I went through. And I performed this thing, and it went along great. And I got home and opened up the envelope. Because at some point, you reveal the serial number on a bill. Yeah. I went home, opened up the envelope, and there was a tear in that bill. And I just thought, you piece of crap. They put a tear in the bill on purpose. Um, and Because I, I noticed, I felt a little bit uh, uncomfortable with it. Um, because I noticed them really looking at their bill at the end of the show and I thought right so they know what's happened here and I, and I don't want to reference what happens or anything I don't want to I want to be respectful of Mark's um, work but so to me that was that was a problem and 
I thought to myself, right, uh, I have to work out how I'm going to take some of the pressure or the heat off yes. of this moment. Yes. Um, and so what I did was I thought about it and I applied a little, a little bit of the Baron theory to it. And the next time I performed it, it was for a dinner where there, are, uh, there were three sets in between this great big posh dinner. Um, and so I came out and the very first thing I did after introducing myself, I said, let's just do a bit of housekeeping here. Has anyone got a 10-pound note on them? Good. You, you're, you're good enough. Why don't we um, have you just right underneath the serial number, write any word that you want to. And they did. They folded it up, put the note in the envelope, bing, bang, boom. It's right up there for everyone to see for the rest of the show. Yeah. Then the second portion of the set, I did the, the name portion. Can, can I just have you uh, write any name you want to, seal it in the envelope, we'll just pin it right there. Good. Um, and then for the, for the final part of the set, I did the other two envelopes. Everything got mixed up, and the reveal was beautiful because when we came to the note, everyone sort of expects the note without, any, without any, um, anything like writing a name on it or writing any word that you want to. They expect when a note is involved that it is going to be a serial number sort right. of a thing. Um, but by putting... By asking this gentleman to put any word that he wanted to on there, uh, becomes. it now becomes about the word. So at the moment when he stood up, I said, I, honestly, I really don't care. And this is my presentation. Uh, uh, people have seen other videos of mine online, and they've said, oh, that's good. That's a great presentation. I want to be clear. These are, I mean, Kennedy, you've said the same thing before when other people have commented on your presentations. It's my presentation. Please don't go and perform it right. anywhere else. Yeah, the stuff that's in our lectures. Yeah, and stuff, in the, that stuff and that you have paid me for. Fine, use it. <coughs> well, this is your presentation of Mark Paul's effect. Well, you've taken and made your own. Yeah. It's not out yeah. there for someone else to, to take your yeah. presentation. And, and I that. paid for Mark's lecture. Exactly. And, so, but, um, yeah, so so, the, yeah my, my, my point is, though, guys, with your presentation, use your own presentations. But Absolutely. Um, so I, I came back to him and said, look, no, you, you wrote a word on this bill. It's been pinned on this, uh, this mantelpiece this entire time. No way I could know what it is. But honestly... I don't care about what your word was. I sort of wanted to trick you into staring at that serial number for about 30 seconds. Do you know what that serial number is offhand? No? Well, with the skills that you've seen me display tonight, my job is to kind of pull that out of you, and let's see if we can. So I don't care about your word. Let's go for the serial number. So I do. I've got a great big whiteboard, and I count from 0 to 9, write the number down. Everything goes along, and I say, let's see if we can get the letters at the start of the How many letters are there? Are there two? Two? Okay, the order might be wrong, and sometimes I'll mix them up on purpose. But I, I then go through the alphabet and write the two letters down, and then I say, what the heck, let's go for the word as well. And then I, and then I go for the word. Um, and, of course, I already know all this information. Yeah. Um, and the envelope comes back off, goes over to him. I tear it off and pour it into his hand. Um, and then he opens it up, and I say, go ahead and read to everybody the serial number. And, and yeah. you know, when I turn it around, too... You've got the expectation. Oh my gosh, this is amazing because instantly he sees his word. So yeah. you have a nice moment there, and then when the serial number hits, it it uh, is even stronger because it's like it's. Let's see, the, the last one was two three eight two three two two one, and uh, it was L J were the two letters. So there's what eight eight numbers yeah. and two initials. Um, so when when I turn that around. You get the moment where he goes, oh, my gosh, because I've got the word. And then the serial number, which he couldn't have known, and to everyone else, yeah. it's been pinned up there. And it, it made it phenomenal. It was actually stronger than the envelope that I ended with. That's so then the third time I did it, I switched the order, went with the name, and then the, the, fi the finale piece was the note. 
and it went over amazingly. Um, and it's because I, I looked at the structure of the routine, thought what worked, what didn't, what was I uncomfortable with, and how do I squeeze that surprise moment? So everyone thinks I've, I've done a drawing now, I've done a couple drawings and a few words. Everyone thinks I'm going for the word now because I had it written there, but oh no, it's the serial number. And how can I get that? He doesn't even know it. Yeah. And, and it really it finished really, really strong. So um, when looking at the Bairn theory and, and an example of applying it to your work, I think right there is, is a good example of looking at something that you don't feel comfortable with and saying, how can I change it so that I am comfortable with it? And how can I misdirect That's what it is. throughout? It, yeah, it is. You, it's essentially sometimes misdirection. You, sometimes people say to me, I want to apply this idea of surprise into my routine, but the, the outcome is implicit. And so sometimes you can't tag a surprise onto a routine. What you can do instead is misdirect them from what the ending has to be. So um, it, it could, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example of a routine. I'll, I'll give you an example with, um, with the book test that I do. Right. Uh, where you misdirect them. So people choose words from the books. Three people choose words from the books. Two of them are revealed using a very hands-on, obvious process. And everyone expects for the third that that's going to be the same, but no, it was predicted it's the only circled word in the dictionary. Yes. And you've got that disconnect of everyone, you're, you're taking them, like Luch always says, taking them down the garden path, and then yep. suddenly, bam, you veer off, and you reveal in an unexpected way. Yeah. And I, I've said for years, I think for reveals, you're probably the most creative in mentalism. And I, and I think that that's one of the things that you highlight and emphasize in Baron. And just going back to the book test thing, I mean, I have a multi-stage, multi-book book test in my show still, and I'm, I still hate doing it. I've always hated doing the book test, but the response it gets is just, you know, really, really phenomenal. And so it's, it's similar. You know, the first two, I reveal them, you know, very mentally, using, you know, using uh, words. I've got this letter and this letter, and I build it up. So it must be this word. Is that right? Yes. Okay, good. I get the second person. The third person, I appear to have a struggle with, and I'm getting sweaty. I take my jacket off. I hang it on the, on the microphone stand, and I'm just like, I can't get it. Uh, and I have the person stare into the audience, and I have the whole audience think of a word. And the whole audience shout out a word. They're all shouting the same word, and it's the word the guy's thinking of. And, and what's, all that's happening is I'm forcing a word, and it's printed in my shirt. So as I move the guy upstage, I say to him, look, just take a step back. I want everyone in the audience to take a look at you. And as I do that, I'm moving him upstage. I'm back to the audience. I say, I want the audience to get a word in mind. If I'm wearing a black shirt, which is the best for this routine, um, then I have big white text on the, back of my, on the back of my shirt. And it just gets a great reaction. It totally changes the dynamic and pulls the audience on side it, as well. So there's a few important things about that routine. No, that's, and that's ingenious. And, and, and it touches on the other question that we've been asked, which is, about do you bit. ever miss on purpose? Like, uh, there, you clearly miss on purpose to give the audience that well, I satisfaction. Miss. I struggle. I think that's a really important thing. There's only one time you want to miss on purpose, for me. In my style, you have to work out how this is with your style, but if you just get loads of stuff wrong, then why the hell are they hiring you? But if you build in misses, and the only time I build in a miss in my show is if I'm going to rectify it later. Yeah. Well, that, that was the example I was going to use was um, when I do some of the school stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I, I outlined that in another podcast where I miss... Uh, three times on the on the drawing duplication at yeah, the end, yeah. uh, and then it comes back, and it was a nice motivational message when I unwrap each one, and it turns out I, I didn't miss; I was absolutely spot on, um, and you know, and it, it becomes clear that the, there was no real struggle there, yeah. um, but still the message comes across. 
So they can't I, just be, they can't leave having that feeling that you just sucked and you got loads of things wrong. And the other reason to not do that is if you perform often enough, and I'm sure you know many of. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. This is what I was going to say. Many of our listeners um, are, 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 are great performers. You go out there and you do it, which is which is great. Is People fall often enough. You are going to miss. Exactly. People are going to think of a word from the deck, a, 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 a card from the deck that's not there. They're going to think of a word that's not even in the book. And but if you just built in a miss before that, yeah. you think, oh, I'm going to have a miss. There. I'm going to miss that word. And then the next one, you think I'm going to get that one right. And then they think of a word that doesn't exist. You've now got more misses than you a were even open for. Moment, yeah. You need to be in control. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's what I was saying about an intentional miss versus an unintentional miss. Um. And, and, and I feel like you have right. to plan that you are going to miss some stuff just because of human nature I mean I do I do a version of the tossed out deck uh, a totally different version to, to <coughs> other people's but I have a thing where I know the three different playing cards that's, that people are thinking of and I had a guy just last week I had him think of a card from the deck and he, I said this is your card I know it's that card yeah. and he said no and I'm like well dude it has to be yeah. like that's what I'm getting and he's like, and he said no, and he said, you know, it's the Queen of Diamonds. I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry you beat me. Come up here, we're going to try again. And then I moved into my book test routine, and then I got him on the book test routine. But think about it: if I built in a miss the card beforehand, so it's the Three of Diamonds. No, oh, never mind. So I'm thinking theatrically, that's nice. I've lowered their expectations. The next one, I'm definitely going to go it right. Okay, Nine of Hearts. No. And now they're going. Boo, and now the audience is going. He can't do it. Yeah. Why the hell are we watching this fool? Yeah. Yeah. So we need to have it so that for some reason people will make things up, missee things, panic on the spot, and go, oh, for, or they'll forget. They'll go, oh, I've, I've forgotten the word I looked at in the book or whatever. Um, I'll just think of another one. Because as far as they're concerned, it's all mental. Sometimes you can be guilty of trying to be too clever yeah. with your thinking. Just, can, you know, get it done. There's, there's, there's one time. want to see you get it right. Yeah, there's one time I did a show where a guy, I brought him up to do a book test. And he was completely hammered. And he yeah. didn't look hammered from the audience. Yeah. He looked totally with it. Um, and, and I don't know if he was high or if he was hammered, but there was something wrong. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and you, can't, you can't plan for those things. All you yeah. can do is gracefully say, I'm clearly not picking up for you. Let's, let's try someone else. But it doesn't... Six or seven Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't add to my credibility, and, yeah. and there's no way to really come back from it. So I feel like an intentional miss... To apply with the Baron theory of misdirecting, I mean, I have, it can have, work I out. Have used, I have used. I'm just thinking again. This this same show. Um, I was doing my my daydream routine, and I have a woman hypnotized in the chair, and it turned out she was extremely drunk. I did again similar thing. Um, I didn't realize. I did, you know I got her on stage, and there she is, and she's kind of. I'm asking her a question, and she's like, "What?" And I'm like, no, "I've just asked your name." Huh? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But for some reason, my brain went, just carry on, it'll be okay. <laughs> I should have dismissed her. I'm an idiot. I should have dismissed her. But then what I did is I have a miss and rescue at the very end of that routine. Um, and so I thought, well, that's going to be really believable. And then when I do rescue it, because I know my routine's strong enough and I can think about the theatre of what I'm creating as I'm going because I know the routine so well... I got, a, I got a hit, but it wasn't theatrically pleasing in that the rhythm was gone. Usually I say to someone, what's the thing you're thinking of? They say this, and I go, boom, that's it. It's like, boom, boom, the rhythm's nice and easy. Whereas this was like, what's the word you're thinking of? And she'd be like, what? And I'd be like, what's the word? Which word? The one you thought of from, you know, uh, oh, uh, was it like airport? 
Yeah, that's what I've got. I've got airport. Brilliant. Give her a big hand. So the rhythm was all this it was, weirdness. Yeah. So then at the, I thought, you know what? If I sort of play this like it's nose diving, and then at the end, when she just calls out the wrong thing, which is what's supposed to happen in the routine, and then I do a rescue of that at the very end of the routine, that's going to be as if I rescued the entire routine through that revelation at the end. So as long did, as it, know, did it work? It worked really well. I mean, I was flying by the seat of my pants thinking, I hope this works. Um, but I just went for it. So that's, that's a pretty big gamble on your it finale. Is. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. I think it might be interesting to talk about the <clears throat> the unintentional misses as well that are going to inev- inevitably come up at some point. Yeah. Um, whereas you can be guilty of, you know, I'll throw in an intentional miss there and it'll make this. But then, like you say, what if the ending goes wrong catastrophically? And um, there's a couple of different ways that we could we could maybe chat about this. Is that you know you do get those people sometimes um, that are just nervous. And yes. they, they may forget the card. They may forget what they're on there and be like a rabbit in the headlights. Yes. And they're not trying to mess you up. They just, they have to draw a blank. Mm-hmm. So when they say, and your card was, or your word was, and, uh, 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 oh. and then, <clears throat> what's the choice? They can either just make one up. Yeah. Or they can, you know, if you, and you announce it and they have forgotten it and think it's something else, or they could agree with you. Yeah. There's lots of different ways this could go. <clears throat> Well, at the same time, you're also going to get some of these other people that are, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to screw with this mind reader. He's not going to be able to get me. I'm going to be looking yeah. like a fool, yeah. uh, which will then purposely say the opposite of what's actually happened. It's happened to me before uh, with the Tossed Out Deck. I think you said it yeah. as well. I remember watching Atlas's show once um, at Marston's, and there was, I'm not going to mention anything to do with the, the method and that lot, but I knew that this guy was asked to think of a memory and I, I knew 100% that this couldn't have gone wrong if this guy was doing what he's been told, but he decided to try and screw with Atlas and make something else up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never quite know what's going to happen, whether it's an intentional trying to mess with you yeah. or an intentional, shit, I've forgotten what I'm supposed yeah. to be doing. So it's very, you've got to be it's careful that, with what you do with these messes. Well, I, yeah. think, I think the key with stuff like this is learning a lesson from it each time. So That's when, when I first had that guy come up and um, he, was, he was completely on drugs, I made sure that any time I thought there could be uh, an audience where this might be a bit rough. So I think it comes down to audience management and learning something about audience management each time with stuff like this to minimize your, your, your misses like this. Sometimes you can do that, sometimes you can't. But when you can, uh, I always do. So if I think there's going to be anything dodgy, like I said, I'll come to shows beforehand, meet some people, and decide in my mind, will they be suitable for this effect, this effect, this effect. So oftentimes when I go on stage, I know who I'd like to bring up because I feel like their personality would work with. Either they're inherently funny or they're likable or um, they're going to be a bit timid for bits. So, or maybe they're timid but they look mean, which is a really good thing to play with. Yeah, um, so I, I feel like there's that aspect of it. And the other time is um, sometimes I'll bring three or four up if I'm not sure about any one individual I'll bring a group up, and then I've got my choice. I'll say, I only need one person, um, but I'll bring all of you up here. And then I get a chance to talk to them. And the one that seems the most with it, um, that's the one I'll use. And, and I feel like it it's all comes down to bits and bobs of audience management. That sometimes you can only learn either by listening to someone else's story or, or through your own experiences. Yes. So I, I think unintentional misses, the trick is to learn from them and think, how could I avoid that in the future? Yeah. I mean, yeah. How can we build things into our show? So, for example, if you're relying on somebody remembering a word, well, the easiest way to have them remember it is going to be to have them write that word down. That's what you do. 
So that is, is theatrically pleasing. What's the word you wrote down? It's the word sausage. And what's the word I got? I got the word sausage. He added. No, I'm not going to go there. So that's another way around. So you have to, every time something goes wrong, I always, at the end of every show, I've talked about this many episodes now, is I review every single one of my shows in a little Moleskine book. Remember what we talked about Yeah, that? I do. Uh, Good to eat. <laughs> you do a post-mortem, that's it. You do an autopsy you do, yeah, of the you show. Do. You say, this went well. How do I get that reaction again from that routine? Why did those jokes play really well? How was my character? Where was I standing? That, I mean, one of the things I realise is if I don't do a certain joke at the beginning... I find it hard for the audience to really understand my character. There's a particular joke in the beginning of my routine, my show, where I have to do that joke. Otherwise, I feel like, oh, that's a certain style of joke. Otherwise, they just don't get it. And I remember a couple of months ago, about a month ago now, I did a show. And just for some reason, I got carried away in whatever was going on. Maybe someone came in late and I made a comment about them, so I left my script for a moment. And I just jumped that joke. I thought, for the rest of the show, bloody hell, they're not... They're not laughing or they're not engaged, they're not on side, they don't really get it as much as they usually do. I look back and I'm like, damn it, I didn't do the joke. And, and so I think by doing those autopsies, you know, in retrospect of your show, you really get to start noticing those patterns. And also that means you can write down any ad libs which you thought were great and funny. Yeah, no, I was, I was about jokes, to say, new, you know, new material, new directions. Oh, I tried it this way, it didn't work as well. Yeah, there's, just, there's, lots of, there's lots of lines that in the moment you think that was brilliant, I'll never forget that. And then, and, then and then it's gone. You can't remember it yeah. for, the, for the life of you afterwards. So it, it is important to do sort of that, that look back, um, but to diagnose the failures and figure out a way around them. Yeah, so I think our kind of overarching thing is um, don't plan misses. Is, I mean, in my experience, I don't plan misses unless they're going to have a, reco- a strong recovery. Yep, I, which I agree. To, and the only time I plan a miss is if it's because I want to inject surprise and what people are, not, are calling the band theory, the idea of taking them down the, leaving them down the garden path and then, and then switching off in another track. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, would, I would just add the caveat that sometimes you're off, but ever so slightly, so that you're, it's still correct. Yes. So that so, the, so let's say there's three the revelations. Yeah, there's, there's three revelations. Let's say initially you stumble a bit, then it gets stronger, and then it's incredibly strong at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I have a bit in, in, the, in the daydream routine. Um, the first revelation I get absolutely right. The second one is a number, and uh, they're thinking of the number, let's say, for example, they might think of the number um, 23. I'll write 23. Then I'll put a line through the three and write a two underneath it and say, oh, not, two, not this and this, pointing to the two and the three, but point to the two and the two, this and this. And then I'll say, what, what's the number? And they'll say 23. So the everyone can see that you oof, were right. Oof, like, I'm right, but I changed my mind, so I should trust myself. It's the tightrope worker. You know, if a guy gets on the tightrope at the circus and just sort of runs across, runs across or just wanders across whistling, yeah. you know, it's dead, it's dead easy, then... Where's the theatre in that? Where's the drama? There is none. They want to see you sort of have a little Work problem in the middle. And, and, that, and that goes back to the Baron theory of bringing them along and, and making them feel like, well, it's not a foregone conclusion Absolutely. that everything is going to happen the way I think it will. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So there you go. I hope that answers some people's questions. Uh, thank you for your questions. Remember, you can tweet your questions to at 3mentalists and you can inbox us on the Three Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast Facebook page. And of course, there's a commenting on the old blog at 3 as well. The Cafe Thread to Watch. It's the Cafe Thread of the Month, or the Cafe Thread Ooh, to Watch. We haven't done that for a while. I know. 
Yeah, I've, I've watched lots of threads on the beauty? cafe. <laughs> that was, that's Yoda, you bitch. Do it again. <laughs> no, that's Black Beauty. <laughs> Ken's like, I'm familiar with horses. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I uh, watched a bunch of them, um, and then all my favorite ones got deleted. So, oh. um, yeah, so I th- that's... You that's, had some in mind, but they've gone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, can we mention them, or because, I don't know. Nah, you, I mean, they're, they're all sort of gone. No, no, I sort of just watched his amusement, looking at threads and going, oh, that'll disappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it did. It did. <laughs> but, but, they, but then they, they just kept coming back. I was I was <laughs> amused by how frequently they kept coming maybe back. That's what, maybe that should be a segment we predict which ones are going to get deleted. <laughs> Um, I, I, what I really thought was interesting is from nowhere it was like a, a phoenix rising from the ashes there was all these new interesting threads coming about and then suddenly boom the black project's back at like position number three when I logged in the other day what's everyone talking about on the black project thread right now I think just buying a copy is that yeah, what this, it is this is like, what do you have like eight left or less you've essentially sold less. them less I'm pretty much saying that they sold out I'm going to take it off the website this week well, I think you'd yeah. like to have a few held back for people that yeah, yeah. friends yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. so uh, I think I two two sell in the past couple of days I think people now are just like shit I want it um, yeah. and then I'm getting the people saying can you hold it for me for a couple of months and I'm like you can't do that it's hard yeah. isn't it keeping track of everybody because everyone always thinks it's just them who wants that treatment and then yeah. well, unfortunately it is a number of people yeah no it's interesting because there has been a real surge of people that wanted the book when it was, you know, it was named Book of the Year, and uh-huh. wouldn't, it didn't work at uh, when it uh, marketplace the mind. And- uh, I know Jeff uh, marketplace the mind. He put it in his top ten. Apparently, there wasn't no order to it. We thought oh, initially right. it was an order because it was in the second position, but it is, it, that's his top ten products. Uh, overall. Anyway, the point is now so- that it's been well reviewed. People want it, and I can understand being leery of a release because so, so many people just hype garbage. Totally, yeah. totally Do you know what I mean? So, but the problem is that now people want it, and then they can't get it, and so it becomes well. More, at the end of the day, you know, we difficult. were very upfront about what it was, what it meant to me. Uh, we weren't trying. I know some people said, "Oh, it was hyped." It wasn't. It was ten years of hard bloody work. What went into it? So I'm going to be very proud of it. No, but it's it's easy to say something's hyped if you don't intend to get it. If you're not interested, in, of course. In so that was, that, and then and then if you've seen so many hyped. Threads yeah. that don't lead up to it. Yeah. So that was my that was my really interesting thing. I was like, wow, that came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. So it came back up again. That's the one I, I think is uh, really interesting. How about you, Luke? Well, um, because of that, um, there's a thread on some other area of the cafe where they are voting for the the book of the year 2015. I think it's in, think it's in uh, books and pamphlets for sale. Yeah. Or something right. Like yeah. that. Um, and the the Black Project got. Um, a series of votes on there and it started to do really really well so obviously you, you keep an eye on that you think crikey well, not just really really well I think the first tally you're ahead the streets ahead well, that's cool um, 23 to 21 to and then 14 or something it just like started that. getting a bit weird didn't it there was <laughs> lots of reviews coming all left right and centre and votes coming all over for different products but then f- from reading into it I think there must have been a little bit of well, what would you say? <laughs> There's obviously been something's Propaganda. gone off. Yeah, um, and th- things have happened where people are getting accused of ballot stuffing and things like that, which is quite... It did turn uh, weirdly bitter. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, at the end of the day... Um, They're just books and tricks, guys. It's, it's just an award <laughs> on, uh, on the Magic, on the magic Cafe. Cafe. It's wow. an arbitrary thing. 
so yeah, um, that was the, that was the entertaining thread for me. I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really about. It's it. kind of quiet up there, but it's been Christmas. Everyone's been away, so yep. Maybe we're going to get back lively on there. Uh, maybe Steve Cartel's new release will. Uh, will have oh, it. Incubus! Real and fascinating Incubus. people. Yes, Incubus. Incubus, mm. Incubus by Steve Cartel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're looking mm. forward to that. Welcome to Atlas Guessers. It doesn't, Atlas doesn't quite go like Ken Guess. Ken's Guess. Yeah, Ken, Ken Guesses. Yeah. Atlas Guess. Atlas Eats. Sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Atlas Splatless. Don't know. Maybe. So, Atlas, we have somebody in mind. You have ten guesses. We can answer yes, no, maybe, sometimes. Go. Uh, is this a European? No. An American? No. No. Uh, Canadian? Yes. yes. Okay. Right, so now I'm thinking, do I know any Canadian mentalists? Uh, does this guy release products there? Yes, some. Yeah. Are they electronic? No. no. Uh, has this guy recently immigrated from New Zealand? No. No. Okay. Um, is this Andrew Gerard? It yeah! is! Nailed it! Ding. Very good. Okay, now let's go back to the chew-off, and we're still getting more questions wrong, we're stuffing our faces, and we're now about 40 minutes in. 40 minutes of chewing gum and asking ridiculous and trivial questions about mentalism. Let's see how it's going. Um, Atlas. 13 Steps was collected and released as a, as a complete volume in 1968. What was the name of the very first step? Mm, uh, this was nail writing. Swami gimmick. That perfect. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Atlas, what's the name of Mark Shortland's cardboard box for mentalists? Mm. Maze box. Bollocks, yeah. Kennedy. Um. Yes. Chris Rollins recently released a book, inside of which was an effect, which was recently released separately through Vanishing Ink. What is the name of this effect? Gum? <laughs> Thanks, guys. What was it called? IDD. What's happening? That shit's gonna be caught. Cool. Oh dear. That can't be caught. That one's a winner. I love that we're always saying stupid stuff and then we're like, we better cut that. The other guys are like, leave it in. Okay. Is it my question? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yes. John Riggs cre- uh, released a series of DVDs where there was number one to five, and they were called Gods with What? Feet of Clay. I wasn't to you. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it, though. You can have it. Beforehand. Okay. My question. <laughs> um, I'm out of question, actually. Um, mm. I've been out for ages. Mm. This chew-off has gone longer than I expected. I've got a photo of my DVDs. I'm making <laughs> questions. Don't go in the car. Maybe that, this, how is, many this wasn't that good. <laughs> Atlas. Yeah? How many routines are in my book, Ben? Oh, I know that. 37. No. 41. No. <laughs> Mental no fact with attitude problems. Dang it. All right. Ken. Mm. Who first came up with the coin in pocket routine? What do you mean coin in pocket routine? The, the, the exact change routine. Okay. Oh. Mm, um. 
I feel like it was in something like. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Was it? Was um. Um. What's his name? Uh, Basil Horwitz. Sorry, I believe it was Maurice Fogel. Oh really? Okay. Um. Oh, I need to eat. Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm out. Would you? No, no, you're not yet. <laughs> what, you, you're, you're not dead out? yet. Come on. I can't. I breathe properly. <laughs> this is going to be interesting how we use this segment in the show. Yeah, not like this. It says, it, I think really we should have like stuck five in his mouth at once. That's what I tried to say at yeah, the start. You guys were even two, even you know two. How long the is? Forty minutes of chewing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do this in the podcast. <laughs> Nothing else. So, Ken. Yeah. Um, Roger Curzon, who's a very good friend of mine. Okay. Um, released a DVD. Um, of mentalism Good. using pens different types of pens and effects that you can create what was the name of that DVD something friction <laughs> no it was the expertly titled Pentalism I'm out <laughs> I can't say more you out mm-hmm. you bowed out okay so Luch me and you so we have least, to quit I'll at least take second place who owns a website? Who owns and runs a website called eMentalism.com? eMentalism.com. Oh, yeah, I know. Is it... Um, I, I, I know as well. I can picture it all. Uh, I, I can't remember for the life of me who it was. <laughs> Eat your gum. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess at a name, and I'm going to say... Um, Ever, Ever, Ever Zolde, whatever his name is. Jose Prager. Ah, I knew it. Nah. Um... Who did a DVD entitled Trade Show Secrets? Mark Paul. Mm-hmm. During his Mark Paul's Penguin Live lecture, he referred to an effect by Basil Horowitz. The rights of that effect are now owned by whom? Um, him. Himself. Nope. Chris Washuber of library.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, him. Um, who had the blindfold card act? Oh, who was that? I want to say Di Vernon. Alcaran. Oh, I'm nuts. It was one of them old timer guys. <laughs> Pat? Looch. <laughs> Got to think of a question for me. Still, is very real, isn't it? It's a challenge. <laughs> there was late recently on the BBC a female mentalist performing on television. What was her name? Um, Catherine Mills. Yeah. Okay. My turn. Okay. Um. Paul Stockman did a DVD with Alakazam Magic. It was called... Connected. Yeah. Okay. This is a really challenging portion of the show, yeah? That's really challenging to listen to. I believe so. <laughs> Shall we just call it a day? I think Rehab. maybe. We have for quitters. <laughs> It's, it's getting no. to the point. <laughs> That's disgusting. Right, so who shall we shall we have a gentleman's agreement? 
I gotta say, we've, we've been doing this chew-off for a while, and the most important part of this to me was that Kennedy lost. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to have a gentleman's agreement where we are joint winners of the chew-off. Would you be open for that, or do you, do you need more pain? Die! <laughs> Keep going! <laughs> no, I'm cool with that. My mouth hurts a little bit now. Cool, I don't think I'll ever eat strawberry gum again. No. That's it. We are the joint winners of the mentalism chew-off. Woo-hoo! Kennedy, Kennedy Do us a woo. the only loser. Do us a woo-hoo. Go on. Woo-hoo, baby. <laughs> well, there you go. That is episode seven all done and wrapped up. We hope the, uh, the force has been a well-awakened within you. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, then comment on 3mentalist.com. Uh, obviously, you can pick it up on iTunes or you can listen to it via directly via the website. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter at 3mentalist or you can visit the Facebook page, 3mentalist Walked Into a Podcast. Um, anything else from you guys? No, that's it. No, just month. be sure to send your questions in. Yeah, by all those media, the meat and potatoes of the, uh, of yeah, the show. Absolutely. And if you are enjoying the podcast and enjoy the work that we do, by all means, if you are able to, then please donate to us at uh, the Three Mentalists webpage. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Three Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast. You can interact with us at threementalists.com. That moment right there. It's a wee bit expensive.